Jesse, <laughs> not good. Why? Why I'm, I'm mad, man. Good. I'm mad. Well, because yesterday I discovered that Eric Clapton released what I thought. At first, I was like, okay, what's this? Eric Clapton has released an anti-COVID restriction song called uh, This Has Gotta Stop. <laughs> Okay, what is this? Number one. Number two, I was like, what's it actually sound like? It's terrible. Oh, I it's thought awful. Going, Dude, no, it's really good. No, it's <laughs> absolutely terrible. It's like the cheesiest, schlockiest, like, this is gotta stop. It's like Thanks, so ter- Which, like, Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll continue on the reasons I'm mad before I... I uh, sort of wrap it up. <laughs> so I thought it was a single that he did. It is apparently part of an album he did or a project <laughs> in collaboration with Van Morrison. No. Called like, oh man, Van it's something Morrison's like. Anti-vax? Oh, he appears to be writing all of the, uh, um, like the lyrics. I got with really him. into He's, Astral Weekends a couple... Uh, uh, or, wait, did I just yeah. say that wrong? Is it Astral Weeks or Astral Weekends? I don't know. I don't know either. Because uh, whatever. I was born in the 80s. Um, <laughs> I got really obsessed with that record and was sort of going, oh, I get the Van Morrison thing. So that really bumps me out. Yeah. Eric Clapton, I don't care. Like, Okay, it is called Stand and Deliver mm-hmm. is the name mm-hmm. of... Which is what then reminded me the other day about that when I mentioned Stand and Deliver on the next, la- previous episode, mm-hmm. I wasn't actually quoting Stand and Deliver. I was quoting Strong Bad. <laughs> uh, the, the positate, the negative is actually from Strong Bad. But it's like song, Stand and Deliver songs from like State 51 or some bullshit. Like that. And mm. here's the thing. Here's mm. really the thing. Because you're like, oh man, like, wouldn't it be awful if it was good? That's not going to happen because yeah. Eric Clapton f-ing sucks. I will say it right he's, now. Not I mean, even a, like a as a person. Guitarist. No. But yeah. No, he's a boring guitarist. He, he's okay, he technically boring, but- skilled. He was George Harrison's friend, and that's why everyone feels good about him. I don't think he's written a good song since Cream. I I, listen to Slow Hand. But if you listen to, like, uh, While My Guitar Gently Weeps, that's that's a a good line, yes. But they brought him in when they needed uh, somebody who could play really well. And I'm not honest. debating that, but it's like everybody's like, oh man, isn't it so terrible? Like Eric Clapton's like gone in this whole thing. Nah, man, it ain't terrible. Yeah, no, I'm just like, Eric Clapton. He's been a terrible songwriter forever. 
I listened to Slow Hand when I was collecting records because, like, oh, everybody says this is a great record. No, it's not. No, it is not. one of the snooziest records I've ever heard. It's extremely... Eric Clapton can't write a song, and now he's writing songs about lockdowns, <laughs> and they are bad. It's, it is he's, bad. He is extremely uh, old man music uh, in, like, the worst way. Like, oh, there's, absolutely. There's some, like... There's like dad rock, like the latest Wilco, <laughs> or or even like Paul McCartney's he, solo he record. I'll be like, oh, this is great. Rock. Whereas like, uh, no, Eric Clapton is Eric just Clapton boring. It's just like so boring. And then you know he keeps saying uh, questionable. I shouldn't say questionable. He keeps saying offensive and stupid things. Oh, absolutely, and then, no, nothing questionable about it. Like, it's like one of those things with like the Bill Cosby situation where it took a crudely recorded cell phone video from Hannibal Buress's like road stand up like, not from a special. bless Hannibal it it was a crudely shot cell phone video of him saying google bill cosby and like uh i can't remember what he said but it was a like, bill cosby and date raper bill cosby and roofies or something like that yeah and that a thousand percent was the yep the the snowball at the top of the hill that eventually uh, hit you know got Bill Cosby behind bars? I bring that up because every time Eric Clapton says something uh, dumb, which I don't follow Eric Clapton closely, but he'll say something dumb or offensive, so dumb, so and dumb. Then always I'll go, oh, I didn't know he's like that. And then Rolling Stones, Rolling Stone will be like, here's 25 things he's said since 1971, you know, yeah, that are wildly like racist, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I didn't know that because, like, you I'm, could say racist crap uh, in the seventies and still, you know, uh, avoid the headlines. Whereas, like, yeah, th- I feel like this happens every couple of years. Where we'll, you know, uh, the the Fox News people like to say it's cancel culture, but it's really just going. Oh, I didn't know that these people said this. Oh my god! Right. It's also like people are responsible for their actions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So speaking of stupid things Eric Clapton has said, here are some excerpts from this song. The chorus oh. is, this has got to stop. Enough is enough. I can't take this BS any longer. He literally says BS. He doesn't swear. No, he oh. says well, he's BS. He's got to be able to play it on Fox News. So. <laughs> I've been around long, long time, seen it all, and I'm used to being free. I know who I am. Try to do what's right. Like, what so lock me up do? and throw away the key. Right. Call so in a you, grocery store? Like, you, what is hold it that on. he's wanting to do? You, in my issue, you try to do what's right. You mean like telling black people to leave England or whatever yeah. shit that you've said in your keep England white yes. bullshit fuckery nonsense? This like, what the hell, Eric Clapton? No, I'm not surprised. Oh, he said something racist. I was like, oh, he probably said used coded language. It was probably right. And then I read the quote. No, and I was not like, even. There's no coded. There's no like. Oh, he said it in a way that no. isn't modern. It was like, oh, he. No, he he like straight out went England. out there and like I will say again, I have no mourning for like the. Oh man, Eric Clapton's a terrible person. I can't <laughs> listen to him anymore. No, because Eric Clapton sucks. Yeah, Eric Clapton sucks. Yeah, it's not. There's been a few artists that I've really had to. Well, I should say just entertainers that I've had to like 
I don't like the term canceled, but it, it, whatever. It is what it is. It is the term that we wield. Even even those who do actually cancel people don't like the phrase canceled because it just becomes such like a a meme. But I will say, I've seen a lot of artists uh, where um, my mom has said this to me my whole life of all the parts of the Bible that she quotes to me: uh, "Your sin will find you out." Um, I don't think that's in the Bible. I don't even know if that's a Bible verse. I don't think it is. But she would always be like, your sin will find you out, your sin will find you out. And I would, there's been some, I mean, people that I really love who, uh, you know, their chickens came home to roost. Is that the expression? Yeah, that's in the Bible. Uh huh. Uh, (laughs) And I was understandably very sad and very devastated, but was also like, not defending. I mean, like, well, this is what you get, man. Um, right. You know, I'm a huge Ryan Adams fan, and he's crawling back. He's doing. He's he's in my opinion, maybe not everybody's, but in my opinion, he's doing the work. Um, but yeah, that man will never tour like he right. used to. Right. You know. Yeah. And it's yeah, man. Eric Clapton, man. Fuck Eric Clapton. He sucks. Speaking of uh, maybe questionable political opinions from artists we love, mm-hmm. today we're talking about Smashing Pumpkins mm-hmm. <laughs> and Billy Corgan, who I will say it was such a relief to find out like a couple years ago. It was like, oh man, like he's kind of like a cranky libertarian now. Like to then go through the last couple years and just figure out, oh, he's actually just like just libertarian in the classic sense not in like the fascist sense (laughs) where like he's actually just like a I just just leave government should leave me alone whatever but like he hasn't like he's an interesting guy he's not like a white nationalist he's not said anything racist man like compared to the last couple years what people have said like Billy Corgan actually seems pretty great yeah I mean he's really he does ads uh, in Chicago the British Chicago area, he does like ads for the pet adoption center. Like you can look him up on YouTube. Yeah. He's, he's in all these ads. He's really into, it's either he owns it or he like heavily uh, endorses or is involved yeah. with the wrestling. Uh, oh, this is what I was going to bring up. This is what I was going to bring up that I wasn't going to tell you a few years ago, Billy Corgan purchased mm-hmm. NWA, the Northern wrestling Alliance. He is a wrestling promoter, like a like a B tier. Okay. So like, so that's what I thought. That's what I yeah, thought. Yeah, no, he's like big time in the thing. So yeah, he is. Which is like when you're hearing this news in like 2015 or whatever year it was. You're like, of course he is. Yeah, it sounds silly, but like if you would have, you're just like, oh, because at that point he he had been so eccentric. But yeah, yeah if you'd have told me in '99, I would have been like, what? I feel like he's always been a big wrestling fan, though. And now, like, yeah, I'm sure. He so, in NWA, NWA is like it's sort of in the weird mid tier between like indies and like the major thing. They had a TV deal, I think, at one point, but like he basically swooped in to save this company when it was like filing mm-hmm. for bankruptcy, and he bought it and has been helming it. And I don't follow NWA much myself, but. Uh, AEW does a lot with NWA. Mm-hmm. And so, which is kind of interesting every once in a while, like if an NWA champion comes in and like somebody says something like, well, Billy Corgan is good. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> this is weird. 
<laughs> but um, uh, okay, but so I we did sort of pull the trigger late on this one, but I didn't want to talk about anybody else because I personally have a very complicated <laughs> and I think beautiful relationship with the Smashing Pumpkins because you have a it's beautiful relationship. It's, <laughs> I don't know about wow. beautiful. That's a weird. It's convoluted. It's pretty convoluted and complicated. Um, but mine, mine isn't. Mine is. Yeah. Just, so you go I ahead have, and tell yours because mine is mine long. is extremely straightforward uh, i hit seventh grade i kind of become it's when i kind of came online to music more i've talked about ju- junior high is just a radically influential yeah time i think for everybody F- my junior high musically looked like eminem comes out corn's third record comes out new metal explodes um and this yeah, is 99 ish. Okay. 99. Ooh, no, 97 through 90, 90, Cause I, oh. 99, I was, oh, a 97. Yeah. 97 to 98. 97. Yeah. I was, I was a through 99. I, I was seventh grade, 98, 99 to so, 2000. Um, he, yeah. So I'm starting to get in all this music and then after the explosion of new metal. Yeah. Uh, some of the cooler, older kids are like, Oh, have you ever listened to Foo Fighters and Nirvana and Smashing Pumpkins and Silver Chair. Those are kind of the bands that were handed on down to me by the cool older kids. I think they burned some CDs or something. And at this point, like How? Napster was a thing, or if it yeah. wasn't, you could still like not everybody was downloading music illegally, but you definitely could. <laughs> right. And that was I remember that. So I remember in junior high, I got into all these, I would say, titans of alternative mm-hmm. rock in the 90s. Loved them all to varying degrees. Silver, I became particularly obsessed with Silver Turn Smashing Pumpkins. And if you had told me uh, at different points in eighth grade, I, it, they were just constantly fighting for my one and two spot in my yeah. head. Um, and Silver Turn had just released their third record, Neon Ballroom. And then ninth grade, my, my parents scheduled like a cruise, like a vacation cruise thing. And I was a young angsty teen and I was like, what am I going to do on a cruise? Like I had no interest in sunbathing <laughs> as a 13 oh, man. or 14 That's year old. That's such a mood. Uh, yeah. I was like, we're in like <laughs> your jinkos. Yeah. So are my jinkos. Oh like, man. Your jinkos and your hoodie video games and be in air conditioning. And I'm man. like, I don't want to be in yes. freaking tropical islands. Yeah. Uh, so it would have been Thanksgiving 2000. I was on a trip to Burbank and then uh-huh. we went to Palm Springs and so <laughs> I had I had picked up Hybrid Theory at a mall in Burbank and then spent like the in, almost the entire time in Palm Springs wearing Jenkos in a hoodie, listening to Hybrid Theory <laughs> at the resort, walking around the pool. Yeah. And everybody else is like and you're just like because it's just not you're like, this is not what I. Uh, yeah, it's not my scene, man. want to do Um so I go up to the store and I'm pretty sure I used my own money, which I think I had a hundred dollars to my name from yeah. saving allowance. I went up to the store. I went up to, um, CD harmony, which is in the strip mall next to us. And pretty sure my buddy, Adriel, who I think may or may not listen to the show. <laughs> uh, we still keep in touch on Twitter. He's a great guy. He worked. He was one of the, he was one of the cool seniors. I mentioned one of the cool older kids. Okay. Was like, okay. Yo, listen this man. And he ran like a little side hustle as like a made people mixtapes uh, or mix nice. CDs, I should I've, say. Uh, he, he did that yeah. as a side hustle. It was like t- 10 bucks and he would 
here you go. And that like to, that was a very, very good deal then because yeah. you could cram 20 songs or something on a CD. Anyways, I go in there. I buy Get Up Kids Something to Write Home About. Yep. Uh, ROAD Peace, Happiness is Not a Fish That You Can Catch, and Smashing mm-hmm. Pumpkins, Melancholy, and Infinite Sadness, yes. which I had only heard singles and bits and pieces from my yeah. own mix CDs yeah. and stuff. And that, that was just such an influential purchase for me getting those three records and then i go on this family cruise where again i have no interest in laying out in the sun i just remember sitting there with my uh, cd like walkman thing Mm -hmm. and just listening to all three of those records just over and over and over and each one was different enough that it was just like a radically different thing Um, yeah but i like that really solidified the especially with melancholy that solidified the sort of scope of like Oh, these guys aren't just doing rock music. They're trying to do like an opera Everything. sort of thing. Everything, yeah. Um, and then shortly thereafter, uh, a door comes out to mm. mixed reviews, mm. and shouldn't uh, have been mixed. I remember wanting that record, and people being like, "Don't get it. It sucks." And <laughs> like, okay, and so I think I put just I had a friend be like, "Give me the good songs." So it was like not. I hadn't heard all of a door all the way through until. A couple years back, and then when Machina, The Machines of God, which was their fifth and final record as the original, well, sort of, we conventionally think of as sort of the original Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, it's sort of because then they did the second one, and that wasn't released. And then, and also because Jimmy wasn't on a door. Um, the yeah, they had tumultuous stuff. So, anyways, so that's my little spiel. I want, I do want to go through all the records, but that's yeah. my spiel of how I got into them. And then I've just never stopped loving them. Yeah. Uh, and then when Zeitgeist came out in 2010, I listened to one single, and then I was just like, I I think this band needs to stay in the past. Like, I think <laughs> they should just change whatever this thing is with Billy Corgan and yeah. friends who yeah. are not the Smashing Pumpkins. They should really change their name to yeah. Billy Corgan's new fun band or whatever the heck. Because <laughs> it, it was, yeah, it was 2007. And I will was say, it was 07. It was oh, 07. Yeah. Okay. I will say I was reading the Wikipedia articles on the, cause I had not mm-hmm. listened to any of the post adore albums until oh, you didn't even I hadn't, like no, I hadn't listened to Machina at all. Or I listened Machina. to it. It's Mach- Machina. We called it's it Latin. Machina because we were in ninth grade. Because you didn't know, know Latin. Yeah. <laughs> no. So I listened. I did listen to that today. And I have some thoughts about that. Uh, but I list, I like skimmed through the the rest of the albums. And I do have Seer on vinyl, I'll say. I do like that album a whole lot. Um, wow. Yeah. Well, I it was because... Uh, it was a really good deal for like a second. It was like a glitch in the price or something. And I was like, oh, shoot, I'll buy it for 13 bucks or whatever it was. <laughs> um, but yeah, so in Zeitgeist, I will. So we talked about his like weird, cranky libertarian views, whatever. But uh, Zeitgeist he wasn't was written. overtly political in the No, 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 no. no. But, but Zeitgeist was, he said, a lot of it was a response to the rise of fascism 
under the Bush administration. So props yeah. to you there, Billy Corgan. Mm-hmm. I will give respect where it's due there. Um, yeah, tell me so, your, your uh, as, as annotated a, as possible history with the pumpkins. It's a, it's it's a like very you different... Get into them as young as I did. No, it's a very different story. So uh, most of my music that I was getting from friends was coming from friends from church. So mm-hmm. it was like... Uh, my best friend Travis had an older brother named Tyler and he had a best friend named Tyler and Tyler <laughs> and Tyler were the tastemakers of mm-hmm. my youth group. And so they would burn CDs and bring stuff and it was almost all like stuff tooth on and tooth, tooth and nail. nail. <laughs> yeah. Tooth and nail and, and Beck recordings and solid state and uh, like goatee records had a few in there. But so like the, the pumpkins sort of missed like my sphere of influence for a while. And so it, I was aware of them. I was going to say, were you aware of them? I was aware of them in that, or the cultural picture of them, as far as I understood was that they were like the loudest, noisiest, angriest band in the world. Oh, and so I was just like, okay, I guess I, I don't need, like, it's just noise, whatever, like, okay. But you were listening to Project 86 and crap But they the were time, mad which at like, God. <laughs> <laughs> like, Project 86 is way more They, they are way more Okay, so also, well, I will say. By certain measures of aggression. <laughs> no, 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 no. And I will say, I, I agree with you, but I mm-hmm. hadn't heard them to tell you. I hadn't heard them to compare. So I just knew that they were loud and angry and noisy. And like, I feel like most of like the cultural discussion and parody of Smashing Pumpkins from like the mainstream was like, oh, they're just noise. Hmm. Like they are just like, and I looking looking back on it, I feel like it's more anti hero, more dark and angry and cynical with, you know, which Maybe, I don't think that yeah. they particularly were. No, 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 no. So they I've, looked, it, they looked weird to they, boomers. Yeah, and, yes. so. and they sounded weird. <laughs> and I feel honestly looking back, I feel like it was really just like zero and uh bullet with butterfly wings mm-hmm. were in the charts. And yeah. those were the only songs anyone was using to judge the smashing pumpkins. Yeah. And so what happened, I was in, I've mentioned my, um, electronic arts and recording class a few times on mm-hmm. here that I was in in 10th grade and Which somebody so rad. it was pretty rad yeah um, <laughs> some kid brought in I think it was Tonight Tonight and I heard this and I was like you mean to tell me that this is the Smashing Pumpkins <laughs> this orchestral music this about- is the Smashing Pumpkins this is like this is incredible. This is like some of the most uplifting stuff I've heard. And yeah. so I I don't entirely remember if I had any of their other stuff burned. Uh, I feel like, and, and so much of it is like, it's just seeped into the culture. So like how much of it's yeah. cultural osmosis, how much of it. Back then it wasn't like you were a person with money who could just go up to the store and buy all of them. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and then and like Spotify, you know, the, the Spotify era of like thing. inhaling. If you want to get into the Beatles, you can like get into you can the do it in a, in a week, in a, like yeah, probably a week. <laughs> It'll take a week. <laughs> Whereas like when I wanted to get into the Beatles as a kid, I was still like it was much more accessible. 
than previous generations, but even still, I was like, do I want to spend $15 on help? I hear it's good, but I don't know, you know, and yeah. So again, I don't remember if I had, if I ended up getting like a burned copy from any friends or if a friend made a mix. I had one friend, Mikey, who was like super into Smashing Pumpkins. And I like, I feel like once I heard Smashing Pumpkins, I understood him so much more because I was just like, oh, this guy's just like, angry and irreverent and whatever and then like i heard smash i was like oh man okay actually he's like got some depth to him um but so i i do know that at some point i bought a copy of rotten apples which is the greatest hits and i just loved it i loved it so much and so Mm -hmm. um that's that was like my big exposure well that didn't come out until like 2011 no 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 no. uh that was um it was around 2001. And that has my that has that has through drown. Mich- um, that has drown on it though. The yeah, it has like drown, drown on it and it has Machina. it has like the singles for Machina on it. It has when landslide. I, oh, his cover of landslide so good. Okay, um, I will say here is something. So I love I, his cover of landslide. I have said before that I did not grow up with the greatest awareness of music. Mm-hmm. And so when I heard this and I, again, I will say I was like a senior in high school. Yeah. You didn't know I, it was a cover or whatever. Or like, no, I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe the Dixie chicks covered smashing pumpkins. Oh, <laughs> so, oh. so I think that's, so, I, I remember I only knew it was a cover because I, loved that song yeah. and then my friend's dad was like oh this is uh Fleetwood, know, Fleetwood Mac. Mac and I was yeah. like what and I just and then the name Fleetwood Mac sounded so bizarre to me I was like what kind of band is that whatever uh, one of the best the ones one of the like best covered, ones actually um, there's a live there's like a crappy live audio mp3 that I had going around of him covering Sunday Bloody Sunday by mm. two just him and a guitar interesting at a show it's beautiful. It's haunting. It's whatever, and that's whatever. I was that yeah. was Sunday Bloody Sunday to me. And then when I finally heard the YouTube version, I hated <laughs> it because it's so not. Yeah, it's totally different. Yeah. It is a great song, though. It is a great song. Um, but okay, so I had this uh, Rotten Apples, which is like the collection of singles. Mm-hmm. Um, loved loved them. I like ripped off 1979 a few different times in a couple different songs <laughs> that I wrote. Um, but You're not alone. No, 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 I'm not. Uh, now we're covering it. My band is going to record a cover mm. at some point. Um, we've played it live with very little practice. <laughs> I love <laughs> but, that. Yeah. Um, but so I start collecting vinyl and at the time, this is before any reissues or anything like mm. that. And all of their stuff is so pricey. And mm-hmm. so it got to the thing it was like, oh man, like $300 for melancholy. Like yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay that. It's not that good. Yeah. And then that sort of became like, oh, $300. Like why would anyone spend $300 for this on vinyl? It's not that good. And uh-huh. then that even became, it's not even that good. The Smashing Pumpkins are not good. They are overrated. They are super overrated. Huh. And I like sour grapes myself out of loving the Smashing Pumpkins because 
I I didn't want it to cost me as much money as it would have <laughs> as it would eventually cost me. Well, <laughs> Which and again, you're operating from it because I was buying I, yeah. the CDs as a kid and or yeah, yeah bootlegging yeah, yeah. them right. Um, and do, do I've never I heard burn CDs called bootlegs before. Boot, bootlegging them. <laughs> uh, doing what I could to get my hands on the music. And right. then, what? They they ended. You know, yeah. Machina Machines yeah. of God came out and they ended. And I, yeah. I didn't even have a car yet. Or if, I think it might have. It was, was 2000. Like a, yeah, I was like, I was a freshman, I think, yeah. when that came out. Because I remember sitting in at my school that I left. So I remember I have vivid memories of me and my friends reading the booklet for mm. Machina the Machines of God, which um, was radically detailed and very thick. It was like 40 pages or something. And the and art. paintings. Yeah, yeah and, the, like, and the paintings were done by uh, Vasily Kavanoff, who does all the art for Me Without Use albums. Yeah, so uh, that was a cool connection realizing. When somebody yeah. pointed that out, I was like, Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, they're also the only two bands that he's done art for. Huh. Which is a weird, like, a weird thing in common between the two of them. Um, but I just remember sitting, it was like near summer and sitting in the back of class and reading through this booklet and trying to be like, yeah. What does this mean? You know, what is it? Because it's like 20 or 40 uh, paintings that, you know, You're it's right. not, it's not um, edgy in, in a traditional sense. It's, it's clear that the band is trying to tell some sort of epic tale. And I remember being a yeah. freshman and being like, I really need to understand what this is about. Um, and then it's the about band the machines kinda, of God, the band kind of died to me, uh, yeah. you know, it died to everybody because they went away right. for they eight broke years. Up. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. that kind of ended my relationship with right. the band. <laughs> yeah. So, so here's here's the third act because uh, Amazon every once in a while will do like a buy two get one free on mm-hmm. vinyl, and so I was going around. I'm sorting through stuff. I'm trying to find some stuff to buy, and I see Gish is in there. I'm like, oh, Gish. Okay, like you know, I just. Had you listened to it at that point? I had not. I knew so you, Rhino- okay. I knew the tracks. I knew Rhinoceros and Siva. Or is mm-hmm. it I Am One? I forget which one is the single. Um, but I, I, I was like, okay, that's a good song. If it's free, yeah, okay, I'll do that. And then I was like, mm-hmm. okay, this is really good. Like, if this I don't is- like it, I can always sell it. Yeah, and, and yeah. I was like, it's okay. It's it's pretty good. All right, cool, 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 cool. Um, but then that sort of like hit this spark who's like you know every once in a while you have like a like a deep realization like you realize you've been lying to yourself mm-hmm. it was like the voice inside of me was like Nat you know you really love the Smashing Pumpkins right <laughs> and I'm like oh, I know I know shut up shut up about it and so um, but one day there was this so there have been represses since um, they're mm-hmm. still kind of pricey and dumb but um, there is one day where the the Amazon listing for the the four disc box set of Melancholy, which is usually a list price of like one hundred and thirty, one hundred fifty dollars. So is this the big remaster they did a few years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. the album art is kind of different. It's a li- yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep, yep. Um, but it's also the original track listing. the The original pressing of it 
changed the listing to fit on the vinyl. It cut a couple things too. Oh. Um, but the, there was some glitch that some subreddit I'm in posted about. <laughs> and the so the price was supposed to be like $150 and it kept like stuttering between $150 and $80. And I was like, shoot, I would pay $80 for Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Yeah. I would do that. And so I caught the glitch and I bought it and I listened to it. I think it might have been the first time I listened to the whole thing because um, I had I had heard most much of it, you know, mm-hmm. but I was like, oh, man, this I need Siamese Dream now, too. And so I tracked down a copy of Siamese Dream <laughs> and then I um, there was around the same time a door was not super expensive mm-hmm. and I was meaning to check it out because I, of course I knew the tracks that were on rotten apples, Ava adore and perfect were on there, which are beautiful tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, though I don't like how he calls the girl a whore in Ava adore. I'll say <laughs> it doesn't sit right. doesn't sit right with me. <laughs> maybe like maybe weird, she is in the, in the biblical sense. I don't know. You know? Maybe so. Um, but I rem- so I was like intending to, to check it out. Uh, but it was, there's this, uh, I was on a new med- medication at the time and there's like one of the side effects of this med was that I would sometimes buy stuff in the middle of the night without realizing it. <laughs> like, I'm just imagining one of those commercials where it's showing like people fly fishing and kayaking and then it's reading all of the ways that this drug <laughs> may. You uh, might buy records that you've you been might. thinking about checking out. <laughs> and so I, um, after I started taking it, I got a door in the mail without realizing I had bought it. And I was like, what is this? Okay, I guess I guess I'll check it out. And I listened to it. And I will say I am now at the point where I think when I go to listen to Smashing Pumpkins, a door is probably the one I listen to the most. Wow. Wow. It's just good. It's good. So I want to... Okay, so I want to mm. rewind but yeah, and talk all ca- through... Capstone, Capstone, all that. Now Smashing oh. Pumpkins is one of my favorite bands. <laughs> and I've realized they've been one of my favorite bands for a very long time. Yeah, again, for me, they were just always there, but right. they were so tied up to my youth. And I yeah. did always... We've talked about our upbringing on this show quite a bit. They're lyrically at times, especially songs like Zero and Everlasting yeah. Is, are extremely anti uh, religion, anti God, anti whatever. And uh, Which, that yeah. always kind of rubbed me. I've, I remember feeling really guilty about listening to yeah. Zero, but it didn't <laughs> stop me because I would still listen. It's so freaking rules, man. But, but, right. I, uh, why does he hate God? Um, why is God empty? And I so, feel like I feel like maybe he wasn't even that mad at God because like there are other religious images that he points to, mm-hmm. like quite endearingly, like but, Zwan in particular is like that is almost a Christian record. <laughs> it is weird that times. Cover art sucks so much. Oh, Zwan. I love it. I love the it. Cover art for Zwan sucks so much. I love it though. Um, but. Everything you're saying is true, but when you're a parent or yes. you're a, a when you are a a youth, a, yeah, when you are responsible for youths and you hear a man on the radio angrily yelling that God is empty, just like me, 
Yeah. Like, what is my childless home? <laughs> and then you, you know, I, you, oh, you turn it off. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like he, it, it, I, yeah, it, it always, whatever. I always love the band and I, their particularly melancholy infant sadness really was just all, even in high school, like when I, senior year, I was still popping both discs in occasionally listening to them. Yeah. And I never really did that with, uh, any of their other records. I would kind of go, okay, I get it. I appreciate the singles, whatever. I had Siamese dream. I had a door. I had Machina. I yeah. would still just like, I don't know. I put in Machina every once in a while. And then after I got past track four, I didn't really like the record. <laughs> um, but so I want to say on this re-list and this like kind of binging session, uh, we've noted on the podcast a few times, I have a pink cat girl, uh, gamer girl cat ear <laughs> headphones I've been borrowing from my wife. And uh, we mentioned, I think, last six episode that Nat, my wife, conspired to upgrade my setup. Um, and so I was like, you know what? Well, if I'm going to have this actual mic that's not necessarily made for podcasting, it's pretty sensitive. I should be wearing, uh, I should get nice one headphones. good headphones. Yeah. So I went on wire cutter, bought nice head, uh, just a like wired head. I want headphones that aren't going to really leave this desk. So I want them yeah. to be wired. I know you're paying a premium anytime you go wireless and there is loss. Uh, so I just got like what they recommended. And uh, which I don't even remember. These are extremely unbranded headphones. I don't remember what brand it is, but it's whatever wire cutter recommend. They were $200. And I am blown away by how good these sound. This all is a point. The point is, is that I've been binging the Smashing Pumpkins. uh, Yes, on Spotify. Yes, I know it's slightly lossy, but... uh, All the records have been remastered. And so, listening to Gish. Almost all. With, uh, like, putting on Gish the other day for the first time in seven, eight years. Yeah. um, And really turning it up and being like, holy crap. Like, (laughs) you were were texting me while you were doing this. I was like freaking (laughs) out. Like, I was just like, when did this come out again? Right. And I was like, 91, right? And I was like, okay, when does this come out? Nirvana Nevermind came out five months late. So Later. Five months bef- before, before Nevermind. Nevermind. Yeah. And I'm like, but, and so I, I spent like, I spent an, uh, uh, an embarrassing amount of my mental brain power on Monday night thinking about why Gish didn't take off like Nevermind. And the only answer I can come to is um, they didn't have a Smells Like Teen Spirit. They didn't. Yeah. There is no song on Gish that is that kind of right. holy crap anthem. Yeah. Um, but man, is Gish a good record? I was also, stunned with how much yeah. I liked it. Yeah. Also, Kurt was prettier than Billy. In, <laughs> I was, will agree until Billy shaved his head. That his hair was not doing him <laughs> any favors. No, it like, was he's not. one of those guys that is bald well, also by, completely like, by choice, and yeah. you're like. Oh, good choice. That's good a good choice. look for you. <laughs> also, but like, I'll say, Kurt was a conventionally handsome guy. He like yeah. he was absolutely the type of guy that like you could throw on the t- cover of Teen Beat and yeah. or Tiger Beat. What was it? <laughs> I both. I think was, there's were they both, both magazines? I Tiger Beat, ti- Teen Beat. Wow. But um, yeah, but like the, he, they definitely had that factor going yeah and Kurt but, probably was like 
you know, he was wearing ripped mm-hmm. jeans, wearing and, like grandpa sweater, trying very hard to be very anti, hard not to, yeah, anti everything that was big at Didn't the time, work. which was hair metal. Didn't work. Um, and that just made him cooler. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What are what are your thoughts on Gish? Man, so the biggest summation of Gish uh, that I can put is that they basically then, when they went to write Siamese Dream, said, "Okay, let's just do it again." Mm-hmm. Because, so I kept having these thoughts as I was listening to it. Was yeah. Going, okay. Okay. No, because okay, really, see. it was like um, a lot of the same uh, moments are mm-hmm. in there. So like the the moment where rhinoceros explodes is very much the same way as like mayonnaise. Yeah. Where yeah. it like in like the thing is they're all great songs. Uh-huh. So it doesn't really matter. Um I I do have the I do want to pose the question uh because there is uh daydream on the end of that. Um do you think Smashing Pumpkins would be better or worse if Darcy was the lead singer? Oh, I think that they would be worse because I do genuinely. So that's a great <laughs> segue. Into, I would love. Uh, I would love to hear like I think an alternate universe version of the Smashing Pumpkins where she's the lead singer, where yeah, Billy is sings, writing the songs and she's singing them. I mean, even okay. Let's look at now. I'm pulling it up. Like even look at the cover art of Gish. It. Is completely the band, slathered yeah. in that post-cure, post-Smith, oh, man. post-Joy like Vision orders. That's like, what this, all those goth records yeah, look like. Yeah, because it's like, no, we're not metal, and we're not, you know, we're not wearing all this black, is, hold on, we're, hold we're on. different, we're edgy. This is where I will say that my friend Nathaniel South, who came up on the last episode, <laughs> um he was on another podcast with a, another friend of ours where he was talk. they were talking about grunge and he was talking about how grunge wasn't really a sound. These were all different bands. So Nirvana was a punk band. Pearl Jam was a blues rock band. Smashing yeah. Pumpkins were a metal band. And I'm like, listen, bud. <laughs> No, they're not metal. Smashing but Pumpkins I, are not I a metal band. I agree with that general sentiment because when people are like, yeah, grunge, like Smashing Pumpkins. No, grunge Pearl wasn't Jam. a sound. And I'm like... It- there wasn't a sound at all. I'm like Smashing Pumpkins and Pearl Jam sound very, very, very different to me. Yeah, and but again, if you if you're not listening closely, if you're not a music fan, right. all you know is that synthesizers have kind of chilled out, and yeah. people are playing guitars again and, until and, until know. a door. <laughs> but so, so all to say, my re-listen to Gish for, in prep for this episode really blew me away, and it, uh, yeah. I, I was like, holy oh, crap, this man. is one of my favorite Pumpkins yeah. records. I am and, seeing now that mm-hmm. Billy Corgan is the co-producer on here. So like, he's like punching above his weight mm. from, the, from the get-go. And the thing that stood out to me on Gish was the guitar tone. Uh, oh, yeah. And, uh, like, so uh, we haven't mentioned the band. So the band conventionally, traditionally, the original lineup uh, was Billy Corgan, lead vocal, funger, guitar, all that. Uh, Darcy, she played bass. And uh, Jimmy Chamberlain, drums, James Eha, guitar. James, uh, I think it's Eha. Eha, yeah. say the, the H. Um, but James is one of my absolute favorite guitarists, yeah. virtuosos, whatever, because his, I can't bring it back to tone, but like, dude, like, no, it's, it sounds like he's battling with that guitar yes, and winning. Absolutely. Like, he's yeah, just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's no, it is, beating it. It is like serious levels of just 
wrangling the sound and wrenching it into the form that you want it to be. It's and, so thick. Yeah, it's and like, as far as as far as like guitar bands go and like using effects pedals and things like that, yeah. like yeah, like the edge is probably a more famous U2 sold more records than Smashing Pumpkins. So that's probably not a fact that we need to fact check. Um, <laughs> they, they gave you a record whether you wanted it or not. Yes. Yes. Um, but so like, <laughs> and I will say like the first four or five U2 records are untouchable, untouchable, but I can't with them. Oh man. The edge is, I, it just like, sounds this like worship is, music to me. It sounds like praise and worship <laughs> well, it's music because, to me. Because praise and worship music is trying like, to rip off like, U2. Anytime I hear the streets have a name with that, we're like, oh, and I'm like, yes, I get that U2 did this first, but every Christian praise and worship band completely copied Joshua Tree and like I can't listen to Joshua Tree without thinking of people oh, in a, like a laser you should church show uh, sure you should listen to the unforgettable fire though um, but as so as far as like guitar pedal bands go <laughs> I feel like Smashing Pumpkins are probably like commercially at least like in terms of scope yeah. in terms of uh, influence I think they are probably the the biggest to do that because they really like they're taking a lot of their cues from Built to Spill and My Bloody Valentine and Wait, did Built uh, to Spill predate them? Oh, sorry, not Built to Spill. Well, Dinosaur no. Jr. Yeah, Dinosaur yeah, yeah. Jr. Sorry, Dinosaur, okay. I I, was like, I got into the, no, a few years later. yeah I got into those bands around the same time and they occupy a very but, similar. So Dinosaur uh, he uh, uh, why am I blanking on the weed? I almost Name. just said Steve Albini, so Jay Masis. Mascus. Mascus. Jay Mascus. He was almost in Nirvana. Was he really? Uh, yeah, I don't wow. want to get into it because this podcast is already be too long, but I'll put it in the show notes or Google it. Jay Mascus, almost in Nirvana. Wow. Uh, it's a cool story. He really did what almost was in Nirvana, and then he said uh, politely no and yeah. made, you know, bug or whatever. Oh, man. Uh, and Good call. I'm glad he did that because yeah. we wouldn't have Dinosaur Junior records with that. Yeah, but so but so they were really like taking the same sort of things, and I feel like Gish is probably like the first like I guess mainstream alt rock record that has like phasers and stuff in it. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's not it's it wasn't a sound that was common necessarily, um, but. But yeah, like their tone is just godlike. And so yeah. uh, Reverb.com is a music uh, equipment marketplace. Re- I love that. Reverb.com. Reverb.com, yeah. If you're wondering what we sell. <laughs> I, I bought three Reverb pedals off of Reverb.com last year. Uh, 2020. I spent a lot of money on pedals in the pandemic. Uh, but so they did a documentary about effects pedals and talked to a bunch of different guys. They talked to Kevin Shields mm-hmm. from My Billy Valentine. I think they talked to Jay Mascus, but they talked to Billy Corgan. And he was talking about the Big Muff. Uh, mm-hmm. Electro Harmonics invented this in the late 60s. Legend has it that Jimi Hendrix ordered one at one point. He never used one on a record. He used the fuzz face, which is the other fuzz tone that people use. Uh, there are a few different variations of the, of the Big Muff that have come around over the years. Um, but the one that James and Billy both used, they have since reissued uh, electro harmonics has this in like a small thing, like, mm-hmm. and it's orange 
and the box says your pumpkin pie because it's the big muff pie is the full mm-hmm. name of the thing mm-hmm. but like they're leaning hard into like the this is what the smashing pumpkins sound like but so they talk about they talk about that with billy corgan in the in the documentary and he has a bit where he because uh, they got those between gish and siamese dream which is why say, the they tone, didn't use big muff on gish no 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 like, that, they were still i think that was chasing, just amp. they were yeah. chasing that tone it's very yeah. clear they're chasing that tone and then they in between they records found discovered it. they found it yeah how do we oh this is how we can do it even more yeah 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 and so um Billy Corgan tells a story about how after Siamese Dream came out, he is at a music store that he had been in, in I think uh, Portland or San Diego or San Francisco, somewhere in the West Coast that the pumpkins weren't from. But he finds the same Big Muff that he has. They had mm-hmm. the, for any nerds out there, it's the op amp version um, from the early 70s, uh, but or mid 70s maybe. Um, but so Billy Corgan sees this and he sees the price on it and he's like, dude, no way are you selling this pedal for that much. And the guy at who owns the store was like, dude, what are you complaining about? It's your fault. <laughs> Cause like after, after Siamese dream came out, everyone was like, how do I get yeah. my guitar to do that? So an electroharmonic said, excuse me. Yes. Excuse me. <laughs> I haven't answered your question. This, I mean, this is a good segue. So, Gish, uh, in my opinion, great record, rounded pop record. Sorry, or, it is. It record, is, but it's no standouts. In, to me, in, there's no like today oh, or rhinoceros tonight, tonight is that kind of, for me. Rhinoceros, rhinoceros is, is that for me. Um, so, it is. It is though. I'll say one of the greatest debuts of all time. Super good. Top, and and top, I wish people talked about 10, it more. Top ten, easy. Yeah, if you, like many people, including me, until I was much older, slept on Gish, uh, you should give it a whirl. But then they great. move into... Um, Siamese Dream. Siamese Dream, which as was, what, 93? 93, as perfect so they, an album. So they move into Siamese Dream, and this is really where... Oh, so one thing that stuck out, like, the opening song, Mayonnaise, has this oh, clean... No. Cherubrock. Uh, is the opening track or chair not <laughs> mayonnaise is later but it's great the opening song chair rock you rarely hear this on rock records and it's kind of funny but you rarely hear this you rarely just hear a guitar through an amp completely clean yeah like zero effects sounds wimpy it almost you know it's 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 uh you really rarely hear that almost all electric guitar has some effect on it to some degree and yeah. so the the album starts off with just him doing strumming the exact same chord just in a rhythm yeah and then jimmy comes in with this snare and even uh you know it's this big build up and then when it explodes it doesn't explode in this i don't know chaotic way it explodes in this sort of like room filling way like yeah. it sounds like he's he when they kind of build up the explosion he's like all right now i'm gonna plug my my guitar into the core of the earth and it's just the thickest widest sound um and then the song has a gallop to it i would say the the beat or the rhythm of the song is a gallop and it just it's there's nothing like it man uh, yeah, it is. It it then goes into. I think what it is, there's the clean guitar. There's the amp channel, 
going to the dirty channel and then mm-hmm. it's the fuzz kicking in. And then it opens into one of the greatest riffs of all time. It is. You're talking about the the galloping. It's just so galloppy. I don't know. And yeah, you're it, just like, <sighs> yeah. And then uh, the other thing I want to call out between records. So one, the guitar tone changes. Two, uh, Billy starts to get a little bit. Uh, I think whinier. And I know that this is often a criticism for people who don't like Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, he whines. He's still singing pretty close to Gish, but there are points in here, especially on like Disarm, where he leans into his more side of his voice, which I like, but, you know, that was a turnoff for for some folks. Yeah. It it really, even more than that, I think is where they start writing real ballads. Yeah. Like nothing on Gish sounded like disarm. No, disarm and I will. And I will. I will say now that almost every time I hear disarm, I am just completely immobilized. It's a, like it's so jarring to hear it on alternative rock radio. Like yes. in, in Detroit, I'd be driving around and they'd be like, "All right, here's the new." You know, they they play like uh, Alice in Chains. Uh, song about the rooster that I can't stand. Um, <laughs> Rooster. I hate that song. Yeah. Um, and then they would go into disarm, and I'm like yeah. sitting there, and we're just driving, and I'm like, you can't do this. Right. Like, this is a tonal. This is mean. Like I'm just driving, and you're dropping this song that is like gut wrenchingly beautiful and sad. Right. In the middle of yeah. Like, no, it's it's where the fighters and Alice and Chains where the where the strings pick up. Yeah, like at the end, like when it just starts going through the chorus again with the strings, and so I even I, I snuck it onto my uh, the pre-service playlist at my church because it's like I've got it's not all it's a pretty it's a pretty secular mix that I've got. There's a bunch of Radiohead and uh, mm. some uh, some Coldplay, early Coldplay, mm. uh, some U2, um, of course. But like I've got. I've got a Deftone song in there too. <laughs> Entombed is on there. Um, but I've got Disarm on there and it came on a few weeks ago and Tara, our pastor, is standing next to me and she goes, oh, this song, man. <laughs> and, I was, <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I thought she was going to be like, hey, man, you can't be putting no, I on think here. If she, was, if she were to say that, it would be because we would all just cry too much. Uh. Um, but like disarm is pretty emblematic of like the side of the smashing pumpkins that like I didn't know existed until I heard tonight tonight. Like those are those sorts of songs are like among my favorite in the in the pumpkins canon. I mean, even but, again, new headphones listening uh, maybe more closely than I, I have heard the song today. I don't know if I had to guess 500 times. Five million was my guess. And even still listening to it, I was struck, again, because I'm more intentionally listening and have uh, new fancy headphones, just how the the guitar tone, man. Like, just how thick and, like, the... Because I think of today... Maybe their biggest single, if not, it's it's one of their biggest singles. I think of For it as sure. a bright and pretty and happy song. Yeah, and the the chorus when it's like, I want it. It's like, it's so yeah, like, it's so like it's like it's like <sighs> Creep by Radiohead 
when the guitar ruins the song, except the guitar actually like <laughs> is working with the song. <laughs> it hit me of a while ago, maybe mm-hmm. last year or so. I was listening to Siamese Dream and I realized that like this album has a brother mm-hmm. and it is blue by Weezer. Why do you why do you make that connection? They I don't know, but listening to today, I'm just like this makes me feel like like so I, the parts so where they touch straight it's uh, yeah it's a pop rock or, but you know. but also blue was also one of those records where like yeah it's like very poppy like they even brought in rick okasic from the court from the cars mm-hmm. to produce this thing because who knows better about excellent pop rock <laughs> than rick okasic from the cars nobody that's who um but the guitar tone on blue is deceptively heavy. Yeah, it is so crushing. But so um, I can see that connection, particularly with Buddy so Holly. These, because the first yeah. thirty seconds Buddy of Holly, Buddy Holly, you don't yeah. know where the song's going, and it, you're like, "Is this no, a heavy man?" That song's so <laughs> good. Like, is this a heavy? <laughs> where are we going? And then you know that, they go to when, a very bright that place. Song, yeah. When that song came on my Windows ninety five sampler disc, oh, I was like, "Oh my gift. gosh, this is the best! This is the best episode of Happy Days I've ever yeah, seen." And you, then Bill I Gates. didn't give another thought. I didn't give another thought to Weezer until I was in eighth grade. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but no, so those albums are con- they are connected in like very much so. They feel like brothers in my mind, mm-hmm. and the place where they are the most resembling. Is that a word? Is the resemblance a word? Uh, the place I know where, what you where the mean, resemblance so is yes. the strongest. Sure. The place where the resemblance is the strongest is between today and only in dreams. I feel like that's where those two records touch. Yeah. And, and I love blue. And so when I made that connection, I was like, oh, duh. That, that's so. so I did want to say the thing that also stood out to me again with this re-listen and, and paying attention and listening chronologically, which I've never done, is going, how yeah. okay, this is like 80, 70% gish, 30%. You can see where he's trying. they're trying to go. Um, yeah. Again, most obvious choices disarm, but there's tons of that throughout yeah. this record where you're like, oh, he's I mean, doing mayonnaise yeah. is really, really does that and, to me. Uh, I do want to call So, again, this is still the original four members. And during this time, uh, supposedly, this is like really Jimmy Chamberlain, the drummer, starts to really ramp up his hair oh. usage. And he's, oh, yeah. Uh, he starts to really ramp up his heroin usage. He would go missing for... They recorded in Atlanta. He would go missing for uh, time. Some time that they would worry about him. And this was a known problem. Jimmy Chamberlain is also this a, cha- a trained jazz drummer. Like it, yeah. If you listen to this and then you listen to like another great drummer, uh, Dave Grohl comes to mind. They're both great, but there is something... Uh, more crisp and like technical and yeah. refined about the way he plays, and so when I read, there's that, a subtlety to what he does. Like, oh, like Dave Grohl only hits, only knows how to hit the drums hard. I think he's an yeah. insanely good drummer, but he's great. Hard. Jimmy he's great. Chamberlain like hits the drums in varying ways. It's just, as soon as I read in research for this, he was a jazz drummer. I was like, oh, that totally makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. 
Yeah. So yeah. Um, oh, we should we should go back for a second because we we touched on the Smashing Pumpkins isn't a metal band thing here <laughs> a little not. bit. I mean, they're not they're not a metal band. I will say that entirely. <laughs> but um, so there are there are two things I'll bring up, and the the one is that when I was listening to Gish, what song is it? Crush mm-hmm. came on, which is one of the more somber songs on Gish. And my brain said, is my phone on shuffle? Why is this playing some slow song from the first five Black Sabbath records? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, I mean, but, I can see that, yeah. Right. It definitely sounds like a, um, like a Tony Iommi ballad. But so in also, in the, I believe it's in the Reverb documentary that they did, Billy is talking about their influences. And so he... Because they made loud, angry music. He didn't mm-hmm. really grow up listening to that loud, angry music. He listened yeah. to stuff like The Cure, like Cocteau Twins, like The Smiths, like you know your typical sad boy stuff. But he also liked, and James and Jimmy, all like they liked, I suppose, Darcy as well. Throw her in too. <laughs> but, Let's assume they all I just, liked. Do, I just, yeah, music. I don't know. I don't remember if Darcy was mentioned in it, but like they also liked Black Sabbath. So like, yeah. what if we play like all this like sort of dark, moody, goth stuff, but we play it like Black Sabbath? And so it's like you're taking these bands like The Cure, like New Order, like Joy Division, and like mixing it with like the sonics of metal, which like a lot of bands have done since. But I don't think we give pumpkins enough credit for being one of the first to do it because we talked about we talked about that with deftones too like chino doesn't listen to all metal he listens to that same sad boy stuff yeah i i think that like the pumpkins are definitely recognized and remembered and you bring them up and it goes yeah yeah yeah, they're a great band but i'm like i don't know i i don't know if the 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 global rock consciousness or the global music consciousness maybe agrees on them in the way that I wish they would. Yeah. No, I when I when I finally stopped sour grapesing myself, I was like, oh, okay. This is one of the greatest bands of all time. They're so good. Uh so, so we, we got we got Which moves moving. on we're to gonna, we're gonna have this a seven hour episode. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're two weeks into trying to keep it under two hours and it's not um, working. Which moves us to one of the you greatest albums cut of all time. All my stuff out. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Um, but so one of the greatest albums of all time by almost anyone's uh, metric, melancholy and melancholy, and infinite sadness. It is. Wait, I how how often do you listen to the whole thing? Oh, like I mean, front to back, not super often. Probably at yeah. least once a year, I'll put it on. Um, yeah. But again, it was. It was a I think I've made it double disker. Right. I think and I've done e- it two, three times. <laughs> each disc is. I remember. Uh, I have this vivid memory of like I had a boombox in my room and I put the disc in and it's like disc one is like fifty five minutes or something. I was like, whoa. Yeah. So then I put in disc two and disc two says it's like spins and it's like fifty something minutes and I was like, right. This is almost two hours. No, it it's music. over two hours. Like, holy cow! According to and, Wikipedia, it says one hundred and twenty one minutes and thirty nine seconds. Oh wow. Okay. Um, and so, uh, again, getting this record, this is my first, other than random songs and singles I had heard. Yeah. I got it as a freshman and I put it on headphones. 
and I'm wanting to experience something. I'm wanting mm-hmm. uh, angry guy rock music and the opening oh, man, track were is you a misled <laughs> two minute no lyrics piano yeah song and i was like what and i remember yeah. skipping forward and being like do they sing okay yeah. then i'm saying that's weird and then tonight tonight comes on and i love that song uh, it's such a good song I, that's one of I my remember, go-to karaoke tracks and what i love about they were smart in how they weighed out this record because they do they open with piano then they do tonight tonight and then they're well aware that their longtime fans might not be on this ride yet. yeah and so then they go okay track three which is really the second like proper song is joey belly which just starts off with some of the grossest yeah fastest heaviest uh pumpkinsy sounding stuff and just to hey hey we're we're still that big. we're here okay we didn't we didn't totally throw everything out the window yeah you know but yeah with tonight's night you're like oh this is the guy that wrote disarm okay this is right yeah there is only one moment on here which like of course like double records are always like overindulgent and like probably should be edited down whatever really the only thing that i have that like Still, I'm just like, oh, why did you do that? Is when 1979 goes into Tales of a Scorched Earth. I'm like, that's a buzzkill right there. <laughs> like, that's I, a mood killer. I am going to agree. I <laughs> thought you were going to come after. I thought you were going to come after uh, They Only Come Out at Night. And I oh, was, no, I no, love that mad. song. It was the theme. Uh, it was on uh, uh, What We Do in the Shadows. It, it is? It's not the theme. It's in it's in uh, the movie. I think I saw the movie a million years ago. And maybe it's maybe it's an show. early episode of the show. I don't know. Um, the show is great. <laughs> the show's so good. Heard, there's too many shows. Too it's many shows. funny and short um, because yeah, they are indulging every every impulse at this point. Which again, at this point, it is you know they are. A huge band. So I'm I'm scrolling through the Wikipedia page. Bullet with Butterfly Wings debuted at number one. Mm-hmm. Like they are a huge band at this point. Oh, and worth calling out at this point because they're big. They're kind of changing their image too. So Billy he shaved starts, his head. He shaves his head. Good call. Really bad hair that he had on Siamese Dream. He shaves his head. He starts like a lot of the press imagery on this. He's wearing very tight silver pants and a shirt that says <laughs> zero. Silver pants. And so it's not like uh, James Eha was at this point wearing makeup. Like not yeah. just like black eyeliner to look yeah. cool. Like he had on like, like full Robert on Smith style. Flourishing eyes, yeah. Yeah. and uh, you know, like Jimmy Chamberlain was the only one in the band where his press photos or what he looked like, you know, you <laughs> would just, oh, that guy just looks like a normal dude. Yeah, Everybody yeah. else is definitely leaning into we are rock stars, and this yeah. means we can go going, going a little glam, going a little more goth, and and it was kind of also like I like it. I don't. It was gender bendy in a way that like a lot of other stuff wasn't. And so, yeah, you know, there was a bit about smashing pumpkins, especially in that era where people were kind of like, is that dude gay? Or like, what's up with him? (laughs) Right. Because it was the nineties and like people just assumed if you were different, that meant you were gay. Yeah. But 
the track on here that I think doesn't get talked about enough uh, because it like I hadn't heard it before I got the vinyl and it blew me away was Porcelina of the Vast Oceans. I love that song. It is a nine and a half minute huge epic that like definitely leans into like the like the dinosaur junior guitar weirdness but like it is gorgeous it like goes between like the really sweet verses and then it just has like that giant riff in the chorus and it's mm-hmm. just astounding and it's nine and a half minutes and it feels too yeah. short it feels like it might be too short like, and again this is an era when rock songs were often singles for well over four right. minutes. And like, if you look at the, like most of the tracks on this record are well over four minutes and yeah. And it's like, again, it's clear on the album art they're like, it, it's, it's a, it's a art. Like the whole thing is like, Oh, this is a whole, this isn't just a collection of songs. I'm trying to make this some sort of greater something point here. Huge, yeah. Yeah. And like the, Oh, and so yeah, the double, uh, CD thing that I got had two booklets in it. It had one mm-hmm. that was like with the album art and it had like a bunch of art and stuff and credits. And then there was another one, that, like a thicker one that was like a lyrics booklet. And yeah. like I I remember just sitting in my room, just yeah, just pouring mm-hmm. over every inch of that lyric yeah. booklet and um, listening I, along. And you know, I believe the, the box that I have has both of those booklets in like a 12 by 12. <laughs> it's real nice. Um, but yeah, but it's so it's again, like double albums are overindulgent. Like everybody points to like the white album is like, just edit something, man. But like, I feel like <laughs> I don't know besides like the gap between 1979 and tales of a scorched earth, uh, which is, you know, one of their poppiest songs to then like maybe the noisiest song they've mm-hmm. ever done. Um, but they are indulging every impulse and it works. It's yeah. working. Like there's like uh Lillian we on, only come out at night are both like Yeah, kind of like stand out baroque. As... They're either kind of like ragtimey almost. Yeah, like, like you can like hear them in a no saloon. One, like no one at the time, no Rockman, Mud Honey, Pearl Jam, whoever. No, 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 no one no. was doing in the middle of their record going, we're gonna Dude, it feels I, I, it feels a little Beatlesy, is what it I does. Know, like I still have never been able to place it. The instrument on Lily, um, I want an Oli, because he's and he's playing the piano, and it's like yeah. it's the main kind of harmony instrument. Yeah. I don't know what that instrument is. I don't because it either. sounds like I, nothing I've ever heard. And I'd it listen sounds to it right now. I would, I'd listen to it right now if we wouldn't get hit with a copyright infringement. If anybody um, knows what that it, instrument is on Willie, let us uh, know. Because it's such an old timey sounding thing, and I'm like, yeah, who no, in the but, band even plays this? Right, but this is so. This is like pumpkins have never before or since they were never heavier than this. They were never more delicate than this. They were never yeah. poppier than this or catchier than this. Like, yeah, like the song this bodies is, is pretty as oh. close to hardcore is you're going to get from bodies is it's, so good. It's such a, it's such a heavy song. Yeah. It's in, it really is like they took that. And this is also, you know, all the, all the whole thing. Like it's, Loveless came out in 91 and Billy Corgan heard it. And like, he's like quoted in the Wikipedia page for Loveless about like what it did to guitarists. 
Um, but like, this is really the, I think the, the place where he's like, all right, like how can I actually make my guitar do that? Mm-hmm. And is trying to get as huge wall of sound as possible. So, okay. So keeping the storyline alive of the pumpkins, they released this record to much acclaim. I mean, people so much really acclaim. liked it. Uh, yeah, there were the people going, I don't like the weird crap he's doing. I prefer the old stuff, but whatever. They're a huge band now. They're so big, in fact, that they get on both The Simpsons uh, in a great <laughs> bit uh, in the episode called Homer, Homer Palooza, uh, and they, they voice and play themselves. And um, That's when you know you've made it. Episode. And, uh, and his shirt, instead of saying the word zero, just has a big like number zero on it. <laughs> uh, great episode. Uh, they go, I believe they go on Regis and Kelly for the, or Regis and Kathy Lee for the first time, which was like, what? Such uh, a this weird. Um, and then Jimmy Chamberlain's drug issues continue on tour yeah. and their touring keyboardist and Jimmy uh, overdose. The keyboardist uh, dies mm. and Jimmy uh, lives and they kick him out of the band. They, they're like, we have been dealing with your issues for so long. Yeah. Uh, and I read a bunch of wiki stuff on it. And Jimmy, Jimmy's like very frank about his usage. He, people are like, he's like, look, it's not a deep story. I joined a rock band. I got well off. I thought uh, I liked doing drugs and like thought I was invincible. Like, you know, yeah. uh, I did appreciate his, he didn't try to turn it into some story. He some was just glam, like, what, right. man? Like, yeah. Uh, I got famous and was a rock star and did drugs and got really addicted. Um, he later cleans up, but that leads us into their fourth record. Adore. So Adore starts, uh, and Adore, all the... You can hear it on tracks like Love from Melancholy and Infinite Sadness. Electronic music is really blowing up in the world. Everything from like yeah. underworld and whatever techno, whatever it's it's blowing up. And uh, James Eha is quoted as saying something like, "Playing rock music is boring. Electronic is the future." Yeah, yeah. Uh, Billy Corgan promised a techno album. He said, "This will and, be a techno album." <laughs> he didn't quite do that. No. Uh, and now they don't have a drummer. Right. And so they do uh, use a studio session drummer. Uh, they um, used a, a few, lot of according Adore, to the Wikipedia. A lot of Adora's drum machines. Yeah. And electronic music. Like, there's tracks with no guitars. Yeah. Um, which, for the late 90s, was very, very, very jarring. And especially for a band like Smashing Pumpkins, which we have mentioned a number of times here, <laughs> is one of the greatest guitar bands of all time. Like, they yeah. are a a guitar band like Cherub Rock is the riff by which I think everyone tests out fuzz pedals when they're trying to find a new tone <laughs> like that just yeah. is the sound and the fans at this point well, I shouldn't say all fans but a huge chunk of people want Siamese Dream number two yeah. and this record is like no you're not going to get it in fact I'm going to get even more androgynous and wear more makeup and yeah. wear dresses sometimes and, oh my gosh, the dresses. Um, I forgot about we're that. We're going to, the Ava Adore video, he wears like this crazy dress. I remember that. Um, and so Ava Adore comes out as a single. I really liked it at the time, but I remember being around people who were like, this looks. And then yeah. the song that I remember feeling like deep for the first time was Perfect. Mm-hmm. When Perfect came out, 
I remember watching that music video and him in that cowboy hat and it's a simple music video and uh, that song I mean to this day moves me they go on Regis and Kelly again uh, Regis and Kathy Lee Regis and Kathy yeah. Lee Kathy and Lee play. give give Kathy Lee her her due <laughs> Uh, and they perform perfect. Yeah. Like on Regis and Kathy wow. Lee, like 10 in the morning for like stay-at-home moms. <laughs> like, I love it. I love it. Uh, and the fact that a band like them goes from something that the record before they have a song like Bodies yeah. on there. And then this, they're, they have this beautiful, beautiful love ballad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, perfect is great. And it's also like, I sort of view uh, this Run in the in the pumpkins career as like a like a like a Venn diagram where you have Siamese dream in one circle and you have a door in the other circle and then mm-hmm. you've got melancholy in the middle like with mm-hmm. like a lot of the big guitar noise and like a lot of like the dream poppy really delicate stuff that's like on a door. Um, and I said it early in the episode, I say it again, uh, Adore has become, I think, the album I revisit the most. And I think probably, it might be one of those <laughs> things where like, I feel like I'm always listening to Melancholy, I'm always listening to Siamese Dream. And because I feel like I'm always listening to these records, I like prefer the other albums, so I listen to that one more. <laughs> um, but I feel like Adore, uh, and I, <laughs> I read something where he said that he, uh, Billy Corgan felt like, you know, he was disappointed with the, how it turned out. Because like, obviously, how could you not be the, the way that the charts were the albums leading up to this, to then this, like this was a big commercial drop, a huge commercial drop. Yeah, in I was going to say two uh, before today, I didn't know how it sold. I knew at the time people were, no, people were going, mad. Like, people were mad. My friend it. circle was, sucks, yeah. and I, I was sort of like, I'm a sensitive boy and I actually like right. this music. Yeah. No, so like uh, Ava Adore was one of the songs on on uh, Rotten Apples that I, because I had like known the album by reputation. Like I knew like, oh, they went into like start doing goth stuff and stuff after that. So it was like, mm-hmm. they stopped being a rock band. But I heard Ava Adore and I'm like, this is really cool this is good though. Like, is there more good like this on there? And there really isn't <laughs> there. Really, like there's no, there aren't any more tracks like Ava adore on there. Yeah, it's not. very singular on it, but like, uh, it's gorgeous. But like, um, sorry. So Billy Corgan said, like, I feel like it would have done better if we would have told people it was an unplugged album instead of a techno album. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually, I think, it, helped my understanding of it going into it. And also, like, this is where, like, their Cocteau Twins, My Bloody Valentine love, like, comes out the most. So, like, I feel like mm-hmm. uh, Apples and Oranges is probably the spot where he's like, okay, how close can I sound to Loveless without anybody yelling at me for ripping off Loveless and it's a great track <laughs> it's, yeah. but it's got like gonna, that loping drum machine from like it sounds like soon like it's the same yeah. sort of beat with like the whirring guitar behind it I will admit on this Which, like, re-listen I went into a door going I bet this is gonna kind of kick me in the pants like I haven't listened to this in front to back <laughs> yeah, uh, and I don't know how long 
And I was kind of bored by the end of it. Mm. Uh, by the end, I was sort of like, all right. And that might have just been the conditions into which I was listening it sure. to, which was while I'm working, um, I have a jobby job, so I listen to music <laughs> while I work. Uh, no, no one's hired me. No one's paying enough us enough money to do this weekly podcast. Not yet. Sign up for yet, a so. Patreon. <laughs> um, We're gonna but, start a Patreon yeah, sometime. Sad. I was kind of sad. I yeah. was like, I was like, I need to listen to Adore again and really try to absorb these later tracks, yeah. and not let them wash over me because it did start to get boring towards the end, and I was like, I feel yeah, like it's there's it's a little yeah, getting. it is a little front loaded. But it's also, I also feel like, so uh, Pumpkins were also notable in that they were one of the big bands when the CD was becoming the format Mm -hmm. that was dominant. And so a lot of bands before this, like their albums are 45 minutes long because that's how much you can fit on a vinyl record. But a CD, Mm -hmm. you can fit 80 minutes. And so like Siamese Dream is an hour. Mm -hmm. Uh this is 73 minutes according to wikipedia like they are filling up their time um yeah and the thing too is it's not when you when i read because it talked about the period between siamese dream and melancholy how prolific he was in his, his songwriting yeah it's not that He's like, guys, I got my 30 songs. We're putting them all on here. He's right. like, no, I have like 100. Yeah. And we're going to record them all. We got to like yeah. call this down. And so I'm, so for you and I sitting here going, okay, they could have edited this here or there. I'm sure they did. At the time, it, they were trying yeah. to edit as much as yeah. they could. We will get to his weird prolificness a little later. Um, <laughs> but so I, I will also say, Adore is the last Pumpkins record that I have spent much time aside from Seer, their most oh. recent. And I will, that's actually a nice little mirror because Seer, I think, is the techno record that he said Adore was going to be. Like, it is hmm. a poppy synth based album that, like, is really catchy. I really like Seer. It's not like the same tier as the rest of it, of course. It's a good album, though. I need to. It's good. Better try and it's uh, yeah. I I feel well, like so it's going to say this. This leads into uh, yeah. What in my brain I sometimes think of as the final Smashing Pumpkins record, even though which chronologically it's like in the middle. Yeah, which I listen, <laughs> which I listened to the for the first time today. Oh really? Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. So, I had heard. Okay, sorry. So I had heard. Um, Everlasting Gaze. You heard the singles. Yeah, I'd heard the singles, of course, but I they didn't really strike me in the scheme of... These are probably skips on Rotten Apples. So, uh, Everlasting Gaze is the most shameless ripoff a band has ever done of themselves. Of themselves, yes. It sounds exactly like Zero. It is absolutely Zero, even with the acapella yelling a thing. Yeah, the acapella yelling about God. Yeah. Again. um, Exactly. It's like... It's like Which they were I like, like the song. I yeah. do like the song. Don't get me wrong, but listening to it today, I was just like, "Huh." So no, they it, they yeah. were maybe trying to go back to uh, pun intended zero. No, Sorry, it, my cat is bumping my mic. One hundred percent. Everlasting gaze sounds like all right. You you effers want loud pumpkins. <laughs> 
You don't want the sensitive stuff. Go. You want these loud pumpkins. Here you yeah. go. Here's your effing loud pumpkins. Which we're just like, gonna do zero again. Right, but then like the rest of the record, I was <laughs> I listened to that, and it's I was, not that. <laughs> I know. I listened to the I listened to that track. I'm like, oh boy, this this album's gonna be a chore. Because I also listened to the, I came back. I from, like that song. Though. Like I'm talking yeah. trash about it. I do like that yeah. song, but I'm it's so good, glad that you a, made that connection too because. It, yeah. I've always felt that way, and I as soon as I started to say it, you were like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I yeah, could yeah, see yeah. in your face, you were like, yeah, no, yeah. it's his copy no, of zero. It's also <laughs> worth mentioning, Jimmy came back for this. Yeah, yeah. oh. Jimmy yeah. has come back. He has rejoined so the Darcy, band. Darcy, they start recording Machina and the Machines of God. Darcy weeps. There's, again, messy band stuff. Uh, Billy has said, what do you want me to say? She became a drug addict, and I, kicked, I fired her. You know, mm-hmm. uh, her story is not exactly that. Uh, she was arrested shortly after she quit for uh, possession of crack. Um, Jimmy cleans up, comes back, rejoins the band. That was Good a big for him. deal. And yeah. the bassist uh, eventually was filled in by... Uh, uh, you got a computer in front of you, uh, but the whole yeah. bassist, the bassist for Hole, whose name I'm forgetting. It's like um, it actually looks like Darcy recorded this album, but then left by the tour. Oh, so I because she's credited on the album. Okay, but she did leave afterward. So she leaves supposedly, depending on whose story you listen to. She leaves or gets fired by yeah. Billy, who again is like, uh, you know, you, you're you're also a drug addict and have issues, and right. Uh, she also, like Jimmy, got arrested for crack cocaine. Right. Uh, so she's kind of that's like her tenure with the band is is sadly done. She lives in, uh, she's from, and as far as I know, still lives in eastern Michigan, like Borders Lake, Michigan. And I only bring this up to say a few. Western Michigan, you mean? Uh, or, oh my God. Yes, Western Michigan, next door to Chicago. Yeah. I get my north, south, east, and west wrong sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I say a few years eastern ago. Eastern Michigan is where you're from. Totally. Uh, this is totally not a few years ago. This is like 12 years ago, but it felt. Uh, recent yeah uh she like randomly called the chicago radio station and was just telling them about like her farm oh, and raising horses That's and like awesome. how healthy she is and how <laughs> happy she is and this is like after zeitgeist had come out and yeah and people were like she sounds kind of manic but like good for her she's just ha- living on this nice yeah. farm in in yeah. western michigan and raising horses cool there you go uh anyways yeah back to so, the album so you you obviously had like a big long extensive yeah, relationship with this I album. I bought this as a freshman and yeah. was trying to understand I, what the artwork was. <laughs> right. So um this is I've I've basically had like a understanding that like it's the first four and then like whatever. Like it doesn't really matter after that. Uh, I was pleasant oh. I was pleasantly surprised by this though. Like I because it feels a lot, with the exception of the everlasting gaze. And w- speaking of zero, we'll back up. And this is apparently a concept album about a rock star named Zero, whose life is falling apart. Yeah, it's so it's Billy's <laughs> kind of up his own ass on this. Yeah, one, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but so it felt a lot. I still like it. Yeah. It, <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot. Um, the The biggest reason I probably won't, I haven't spent too much time with it, is because vinyl copies are selling for like three hundred, four hundred dollars. That's so insane. It 
Yeah, it was like the initial vinyl run, and then it hasn't. It's it's been rumored that they're working on a remaster and repress, but of this <laughs> and, and Machina Two, uh, which wasn't kind of officially adorable, released. It's kind of adorable that you have a self-imposed constraint <laughs> on music. Sometimes you're like, I want to listen to it, but I can't because I I can't find this. That's, you know, that's why I, I haven't. Vinyl I might uh, pressing. I'm, I might find a CD of it. Or I'm like, I might find a dude, CD. Dude, just go on Spotify and quick play. Like, no, there? but I don't do that. My it's it's tedious to set up my Spotify and my house, like what? for my speakers, my stereo. Really? It's like I it's I gotta like go over to the I gotta go over to the aux cable and put my phone down and like leave it there. What are you like a, a boomer? You just say uh, yo dingus. Uh, play Smashing Pumpkin Dingus. No, being, because I have a I have uh, a I have I have a Amazon little Amazon assistant or Apple no, assistant or whatever. I'm not letting her into my house. <laughs> You're wiser than me. I did let her into my house. We do have a Google and, Home. <laughs> we use oh, it for well, listening. Okay. <laughs> but okay. we mostly use that to listen to Wait Wait Don't Tell Me while we do the dishes. This is entirely um, what I use my spurt speaker for. I right. say, yo Dingus, can you uh, play NPR, yeah. uh, which for us is KQED, and then we listen yeah. to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, but so, yeah, but so I listened to it for the first time today, and I will say, I when they when they reissue it, I'll I'll buy it. I'll I'll buy this when they reissue so, it. Um, I might even what, find a CD copy of it. But it it feels a lot like the same, with the exception of Everlasting Gaze. It feels a lot like a door in the right ways. It does. Um, it also, it, the at its worst, it feels like a door warmed over, but it's still, it felt that way most of the time. I mean, I was a kid yeah. with, or a, a young teen. No one has more time than right. a young teen. <laughs> right. And no one is poorer than a young teen. <laughs> I spent my own money on this record. Yeah. And even I struggled to get through it. Like yeah. I know the first eight like seventeen dollars. Yeah, yeah. Like I went to like Sam Goody and paid like seventeen dollars in allowance, Man, which was why like did three they charge, or four weeks of allowance. Why were they charging so much for CDs? <laughs> yeah. They um, were so expensive. Twenty five dollars sometimes. I remember uh, again because of my upbringing. I really loved Three Eleven, and I wanted this Three Eleven <laughs> sound system record. And they were still releasing Queen versions of records. Then, oh my gosh! Yeah. Um, and Three Eleven like barely swears, but I think if he swore at all, they would just whatever put the parallel the the Tipper Gore sticker on there. The Tipper and Gore. So, man, man, she ruined a lot of shit. <laughs> A lot of kids. Man, <laughs> Tipper Gore. <laughs> You're gonna have to do so much editing on this podcast. Um, so uh, I grab sound system, and there's a clean version and a the normal parental advisory version. Yeah, and the clean version was like three dollars more. <laughs> I was a kid, like I didn't have any money. Yeah, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna buy this. But even then, like. I remember being like, okay, I want to buy it. And I go up to the counter. My dad's like, what is that? And I show him. And I'm like, see, it's the Queen version. just enough swears. And even then, he was still just like, yeah, but is the sort of content what I want you to right, listen to? And right. I was like, it's the Queen version. Like, you have to let me. You have to let me. Um, yeah. <laughs> all that to say, 
that I got derailed on the how much CDs cost because this is so I much. remember it. Twenty one damn dollars. Twenty one dollars for three eleven sounds of some clean version, no swears. Which I literally, literally, you, you might if you're listening and you're a three eleven fan, uh, all none of you. You might go. There's no swears on that record. Yes, there's there's one. There's one. <laughs> he says the f word once in the rap at the end. It, it's like no swears on the record. Anyways, I paid three dollars to censor that rap. Amazingly, back to this, back to this record. Don't, can't touch this by MC Hammer. It does have an improvised f word that is not censored because it isn't in the lyric sheet. I love that. Uh, <laughs> so Glassjaw famously avoided the parental visory um, with. Everything you ever wanted to know about silence, which yeah. that record has a ton of swears sw- so much swearing, and it's quite angry record, and I love it because they didn't. The lyric sheet they submitted was like didn't have all his oh, lyrics on it, and <laughs> you know, again, we got like a board of like seven people going, right. uh, you know, they, they don't got this, so they just they just scan the lyric sheet for some f words, and yeah. if it doesn't come up, they're, you know, they're not yeah. gonna. Compare. They're not going to put on Glassjaw and sit there and compare against the lyrics and <laughs> right. decide. So well, then also Glassjaw famously dodged the the parental advisory. Also disturbed in Down with the Sickness has an Ooh, uncensored wow. has an uncensored f word on the radio every time it's played. This is I remember. <laughs> this was such a big thing at the time because people go, "Yo, you know he says the f word like on the radio, like that part where he's like yelling at his mom yeah. or whatever." Yeah, and I'd be like, "What?" And they're like, "Because well, it's not." Yeah, like, like, it's, ad, it's this ad hoc skit yeah. thing. Um, no, it's in the chorus. It's in the chorus. Yeah. I'm that not gonna invite. He, I'm not gonna invite you to listen to "Down with the Sickness" by Disturb, but it's in there. Well, You're gonna have to because I thought the swear was on his improv. It's in both. It's in both. Okay, because he kind of has a mental breakdown where he's yelling at yes. his mom or something. And therein, therein lies an excellent example of how well <laughs> so, the last half of so Machina, the Machines of God, <laughs> holds our attention. So, yes, no, it is a great example because I can tell yeah. you the last song that I love on this record is Heavy Metal Machine, and that is track seven. And that, uh, again, I'm going to talk about tone. That sounds, it has the it's, tone. Yeah, it's good. This is blessed from heaven. It's different than what they were doing on Siamese Dream, yes. but it's just super thick and fat. And I thought that song was rad. And then it goes into uh, this is time and like my brain just shuts down and so I, I went on this whole side tangent about how much CDs cost and being young and having free time to overemphasize that this record was too long for me at yeah. 14 <laughs> to fully listen to and it's 73 minutes long yeah yeah it's it's like half as long, long. as uh, um, uh, melancholy but it it the the, yeah. the crying tree I, who who is smashing pumpkin song uh, i actually like, crying tree of mercury i actually like that one when i listened to it so i listened to this in the car <laughs> while i was driving around today and so glass and the ghost children got cut in half in my listen because it's oh, 10 minutes long i got out of the car yeah but like there's two halves to this so there's like i think it starts a little heavier and then it sort of dies down and it goes into this weird warped tape spoken word thing from I think a serial killer seemed to be a serial <laughs> killer maybe son of Sam uh, and then it goes into what in my memory what didn't sound anything like the first half of the song at all and I'm like 
I don't know what that is. But then Wound came out and it's like, oh, okay, this song is pretty good. This song is pretty I, good. I want to do a comparison of what you just talked about. Cherub Rock. I'm on Spotify. Cherub Rock yeah. has 122 million 122 streams. million. That's a whole lot. Today has 93 million. Disarm has 132 million. Let's, let's go over to Machina, the machine. That'll, that'll get you 75 bucks. Uh, Glass and the Ghost Children has 869,000 streams. <laughs> like, yeah. That just, it's an indicator. I mean, again, I, yeah. does popularity always indicate quality? No. no. We all know this, but there is a reason why even the most I Heart Pumpkins fans, uh, which I would have considered myself at the time, didn't freaking finish this record. Yeah. And I, and I feel like, and this is a thing that as I was scanning through the later albums and reading about them, because I've spent almost <laughs> no time with scan. anything after a door. That's a very generous scan. Well, no, I was listening to the first 30 seconds of a couple songs. I would go, get to yeah. the chorus. I would get to the chorus in most songs yeah. and then I, I'd go. But so I, um, except for zeitgeist. Oh my gosh. Oh my God! Zeitgeist. I hated the single from Oak. Oh, well, it doesn't so, get any better. So the biggest thing was, in if you're listening to this podcast, you probably don't need us to recount the entire turned it off history. Right but so Zeitgeist, I don't know if it would actually be that bad if the mix was listenable at all. This was during the Loudness Wars. It wasn't was even that. The- so they recorded it on tape. With they no, they recorded it on tape oh. with no click and no. But like they, I thought this had the Metallica. No, 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 not this one, not Zeitgeist. But so it was the same, famously the same tape machine as Melancholy, but they did it with no edits, no computers, and no click track. Um, but they overdubbed a whole bunch of Billy's voice, like doing <laughs> harmonies and stuff. Which he does on Seer again, which is like, and also did on the Future Embrace, which I will just pause right here. I really enjoyed the Future Embrace. I have it on CD. It's a good jam. Now, uh, what is the Future Embrace? The Future Embrace is Billy Corgan's electronic solo album. Yeah. Um, which he does a uh, he does a cover of the Bee Gees uh, to love somebody, uh, which is. Nice. I mean, it's, I it's remember nice. that coming out and being in Best Buy and seeing yeah. the little display stand and Billy Corgan solo record. And at that point, I was just yeah. like, "Sir, our relationship. <laughs> I love you. You've yeah. meant a lot to me. Yeah. I think our relationship is over. Yeah. I'm not going to buy this electronic <laughs> record." You. I made. I enjoyed it. I am a I am on Team Future Embrace. I've never um, listened to it. I've literally never listened to it. You should give it a chance. Um, I should have listened to it for this. Episode, maybe I'm maybe some person, <laughs> but so um, on Zeitgeist though, the way they recorded it, they couldn't mix. After they were recorded, they couldn't mix the levels. They could just turn them on or off. <laughs> and I so, like, do you want it or not? Right. That's it. That's <laughs> yeah. all we got. Right. So the yes so the mix no. the mix is awful. The vocals are way too loud, especially when there are harmonies. I like. Remember 
radio single sounded like trash. It, and I was no, like, it sounds like, what's awful. Happening? It sounds awful. I uh, the songs might be okay. On so you can only listen. The only way I could listen to it was on YouTube. Somebody uploaded a full album stream. Yeah, it's not. It's not on, it's Spotify. Not on Spotify. God knows. Why, Billy I'm is sure. probably some legal reasons. No, I think Billy is like pouting about it. Um, but. All the comments on it are like, oh my gosh, this is my favorite Pumpkins record. And I'm like, who are these people? Where did they come from? But, okay, so after Zeitgeist, and then they just went on and did a bunch of things. Okay, so uh, uh, we're moving fast. So I'm going to say we're moving Machina, fast. let's wrap up Machina. Yeah. There's a reason we're moving fast. Because we don't know out, these records. <laughs> Darcy weaves, Jimmy rejoins, and then they record a second record called... Uh, Machina two, Machina two, the friends and enemies of or friends and enemies of modern music or something. Yeah, like friends and enemies of modern music. And again, memory. Remember being in the locker room and someone was like, "Oh, yo, you know the Pumpkins like released. They put it on the internet and like the internet was still like, oh man, two thousand. This is like September fifth, two thousand. The internet, was, 2000. The internet was still no man's like it was like." Yeah. Just, I can't. It was a frontier. Yeah. And so finding out that one of the biggest <laughs> rock bands in the world said, uh, F the label or at whatever reason they did, yeah. they put up the second half of Machina uh, on the their website. And we're like, yo, just burn it, man. Burn it. Yeah. And at this time, System of a Down came out with a record called Steal This Record, and the album art was nothing. The that CD was a few years later, wasn't it? Queer. And it I think might, that was a like, few years later. It might have been a few years later, but my, my point is there was a there was a, a zeitgeist, if you Ooh. Will, uh, around this concept of like, hey, music is just a file, right? And, yeah, and it's you no longer need to go to a location and get it. And so there was this almost some musicians accepted it and some didn't. Lars. Famously, Lars famously did not accept this truth, um, which the truth sucks, yeah. but it is what it is. When we have people like Nat, uh, not me, keeping it alive. I go to freaking concerts, man. I spend a lot of dough on music. So all that to say, my buddy like hands me a CD and he's like, all right, here you go. Like I, I burned, I burned 93 minutes. Mocking a two, the machines of God. I definitely did not finish that record. Like it's not 93 minutes, once, not even once to yeah. finish that record. Yeah. So, I haven't listened to it at all. The artwork looks terrible. <laughs> the art. Well, is, I think the artwork was like a, like a YOLO situation because I don't, they didn't have the gentleman who did uh, the original. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It looks, it's like this weird glitchy like approximate. It's <laughs> terrible. So I went and I scanned through, the next three, uh, the next four records, well, I suppose. Yeah, at this point, the band breaks up, takes a big hiatus. Yeah. And then Billy Corgan does Zwan. Zwan with Jimmy. We should all agree that Zwan is amazing and we should all remember it. Uh, no, they had that song, Honestly. It was a yeah. big radio hit. It's fine. Zwan kind yeah. of sucks. And then they go <laughs> I like away. Zwan. And my. Time is Future Embrace is in there, too. Yeah, Future Embrace is in there. It happens during this period. And time, like, you know, three years of high school is radically different than three years in your 30s. Yes, absolutely. reading on paper... Especially during a pandemic. They took a seven-year break between Machina and Zeitgeist. Yeah. 
It's like big deal. Does it like it doesn't sound like a ton? But I'm like, right. oh my god! In 2000, I was, uh, you know, like, right. Whatever. Like I was in high school, and in 2007, like yeah, I was absolutely like, huge, in huge college yeah. and dating, and you know, life was completely upside yeah. down, and so. Yeah, uh, and at this point, Zwan had Jimmy Chamberlain, I believe. Yeah, Jimmy Chamberlain and uh, the bassist from per- of Perfect Circle, and one of the guys from Slint, and I don't remember the last guy. And I didn't recognize like, his name. So he he reforms the Pumpkins, which is just point, him and Jimmy. Yeah, for this just him and Jimmy. With I think they just recorded the rest of their part. He literally got another. Like, people have always accused him of using doppelgangers because, like, when he replaced Darcy, <laughs> he hired specifically another female bassist. Yeah. And to replace Jimmy, he hired another Asian guitarist. And so then the kind of people were like, is this like a thing? Is this like, like, there's, like, he should be allowed to do this, but, yeah. like, is it, is it a yeah, thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I still don't have an answer for that. But he reformed the pumpkins with only two of them. Yeah. And at this point, it's basically a solo project. Like it's just Billy. I mean, Jimmy's Jimmy's riffs on that are Jimmy goes. He played, Jimmy but he's goes. not like the. He's not, he's not part the star, of the like, But like James, I will James say, Iha and 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 Dart. My understanding is that they contributed to shaping the sound. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, for sure. But so I I scan through a bit of these. So what comes after? So there we got Zeitgeist and then Zeitgeist, uh, Oceana, Jimmy leaves again, and Billy Corgan, no joke, holds a contest mm-hmm. to find a new drummer, and he finds this guy uh, who you Wikipedia tells me is named Mike Byrne, who was born in 1990. I, I remember when this came out because I was working. I had my like I was in my grown upy grown up job. Yeah, and uh, I'm finally making like my first real dough. And people are like Oceana, man, it, it, it like uh, came out as it's also by the way a double. <laughs> it's sixty minutes, another sixty minute album. Um, oh, because I remember they built. So I didn't. I never looked at the time, but I remember they build it kind of like yo, it's a double album. It's a big deal. Yeah, and then oh, by the way, the new drummer is this kid who's who's not younger as than old the Smashing as Pumpkins. the band. Yeah, yeah. Like, younger than the band itself. How and would that like, feel to be, be Jimmy Billy Corgan and like hiring that guy to realize like oh when when I was starting this band, you weren't born yet. It's that's got to be a. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it, it's a, like, it might be a power thing. Like, for him, he might be like, this freaking rocks. I'm timeless. <laughs> like, the youth like me. Or oh, he might yes. be, you know, going, oh, my yeah. God, I'm old and dying. It's How his reaction is that, I don't know. But yeah. So they do um, Oceana. They do that. I listen they, to, like, a couple tracks about. <laughs> yeah. And then they did Monuments to an Elegy after that, which that drummer had left Tommy Lee from Motley Crue played drums on their album after that Monuments to an Elegy. Are you kidding me? No, but here's... Wait, so this this kid who's not even 20... He only who, does one album. <laughs> and then like he, the world is his freaking oyster. He's and then he leaves on, and he oh is God. replaced by Tommy Lee. <laughs> oh my, I did not know this. This yeah. is blowing my mind. So okay, also, Tommy also Lee something. plays drums on Monuments to an Elegy. Yes. Okay. Also... Uh, I, I mentioned earlier of Billy's like just 
his huge prolific songwriting that definitely needs to be edited. So apparently both mm-hmm. Oceana and Monuments to an Elegy are both part of a project called Tear Garden no, no. by Kaleidoscope, no. which Billy Corgan decided that albums were dumb and that's not <laughs> how anyone listened to music anymore. And so... So he thought the thing to do was increase the length? No, so he would release these albums. He would have one project that would just release the songs a track at a time on like oh, streaming okay, okay. or whatever. But then... So he had this, it was supposed to be like 44 tracks each. It was one track for each card of the tarot deck. And after 34 songs. This is so tiring. After 34 (laughs) songs, he gave up. Yeah. Yeah. 34 songs in, he goes, this isn't working. And he stopped. It's like Sufjan, I'm going to do an album for every state. And then he does two states. And it's like, well, hot damn. I think I'm done. Well, he kind of did Oregon Um, with a... Carrie and Lowell. Well, and he, he owned up sort to of. the fact that it was a bit. It was but, always a joke, yeah. Anyways, um, the... But, but yeah, so then... But this gets into Billy's indulgences, right? He's right, trying to make freaking... Yeah. Epi- like, he's doing so, the, the... In text that I told you earlier, I was like... Yeah. He went the way of Coheed and Cambria. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> I have a story to tell. And you're like, sir... Speaking of Coheed and Cambria, the next album is called Shiny and Oh So Bright Volume 1 slash LP, no past, period, no future, period, no sun, period. And what is notable <sighs> about so this... Sad. I know. What is notable about this is that number one, it is produced by Rick Rubin. So like, yeah, that's a that's a good get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number two, James and Jimmy are back. Yeah, so James, I remember this. It was a big deal because James comes back and everybody's like, yo, three of the four, you yeah. got them. Like, this, this is going to be awesome. And I remember it coming out and I think I listened to the first track uh, on Spotify in like 2017 or tw- whenever this came out. And I was like, hey. yeah, I... I wanted to like this one more than I liked the other ones, but I didn't. Um, I it felt. I think it might have been the pressure on it from the return of James Eha and Jimmy Chamberlain that, like, I was like, "Oh, now it's going to get great," but it didn't. It was kind of the and same. I mean, there's a lightning it, on in a, a bottle aspect. There to absolutely this was stuff, and it and felt. When you're 45, your yeah. energy level, or 50 or whatever he was when he made this record, you're, everything's different. Yeah. Like you're, you're worrying about the mortgage and the cats and your car and, oh, you got to run errands. And that's very different than when you're in your, when you're 21 and every fiber of your being is, I need to write this masterpiece. Yeah. And, and also I'm falling in love for the first time. And I need to, right. You know, yeah, he was fifty. He was fifty-one. Different. He was fifty-one when Shiny and Oso Bright. But I'm not saying you out. can't create great art. No, Israel does completely not what I'm saying. Yeah. What I'm saying is that he, the lightning in the bottle that they captured early on, he's just not going to capture. Is it not there? And also, I when I was going through these, and especially as I'm reading through the the Wikipedia articles about it, and like the things that Billy Corgan is saying about each record before their release. <laughs> It feels an awful lot like they are, uh, and it it really, for me, kind of feels like everything from Machina on 
is a, it is a lot of a relationship between what he wants Smashing Pumpkins to be and how the fans are reacting against it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so we talked about um, the everlasting gaze being sort of that's probably the the biggest pinnacle of that. But like yeah. he is he is so- playing this tug of war with the fans instead of just trying to be true to what he wants to do, which, you know, maybe that tarot card project would have been great if he went all 44 tracks. But, uh, and I'll say again, like, as I was listening through, I didn't find anything to be as bad as I was expecting it to be. It was some moments were pretty, pretty good, pretty pleasant, actually. Like I was expecting like full on unlistenable, but I think he is playing. He is dancing around. The, he is dancing with the fans about who the Smashing Pumpkins are and what they should be. And he has this idea of what the band is that is boxing with the fans' ideas of what the band is. And he's worried too much about what the fans are thinking about it. And he should just do what he wants to do, which I well, feel I, I he did on Seer. Honestly. I agree, and I just wish you wouldn't call it the the pumpkins because yeah. we all have gotten older, right? Like yeah. the the his fans that were into Gish and Siamese Dream and and Melancholy. Yeah. You know, I was probably one of, on the younger end of that spectrum because uh, I've always I always want yeah. to be older than I right. than I am. Yeah, and I I didn't get into Smashing Pumpkins until like two thousand five. Yeah, like the high schoolers, the kids who are in high school when Siamese Dream came out, they've yeah. aged. And you know what? They don't they don't want no one wants an okay Smashing Pumpkins record. Right. They no. what people want is if you're if you're a Pumpkins fan, you would say you'd say you're Gen X and you're a Pumpkins fan, what you yeah. want is to get a new record from them and it to be Siamese Dream Part Two, and you just go, "Holy right. crap, dude!" Um, and he's not going to give that, and no, and so that's why this stuff isn't. You know, I tweeted about. It. I was like, "Oh my god, I'm I'm, I'm listening to a bunch of pumpkins for this," and my buddy Tom replied, "Oh my god, I love the pumpkins." Blah blah blah, and I go, "Have you listened to any record after Machina?" He's like, "No." Yeah, <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, 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 yeah. And he's Gen X. He's a little yeah. older than me, and he's Gen there's, X. And I was like, "Yeah, there's a yeah. reason." There's some Gen X guy on TikTok who. I don't remember his username, but he has like a series of like what it was like to hear X song for the first time in the nineties. And there's one that he does to mayonnaise that is absolutely delightful, (laughs) but okay. I want to see this now. Yeah. I'll, I'll send it to you. We'll put it in the show notes. Can I I put it, can I say an aside? That's really sad. What's that? So so I found out yesterday (laughs) I go upstairs and Warren goes, did you see the video I sent you? And I go, I look at my, texts because i'm a <laughs> an adult right and i go honey i no, you haven't texted me since in a couple hours what mm-hmm. no i sent it to you on tiktok and i go i, I have to check have that app tiktok <laughs> so i install it sign in again yeah and you find I out have, you already had an account well, no so i knew i had made an account with because okay. okay. to lock down my username but like i don't like TikToks, the good ones just propagate to Instagram and Facebook and whatever. And Reddit, yeah. And I had 53 messages from my wife. <laughs> 53! Oh, man. Think of the money was, you could have saved on marriage counseling. I was going through. I was like, 
you've been met. She's like, yeah, I sent you. I only sent you the ones I thought you'd like. I'm like, yeah, you text me some sometimes. She's like, oh, well, those are, the, I also text you sometimes. I'm like, <laughs> I didn't know I had this inbox. That's I did not so know funny. that the second location, <laughs> that this inbox existed. That's so funny. And now I, now I have to watch 53 TikToks. That's <laughs> an aside. I just, yeah. uh, but yeah, but so I, I feel like, um, and I feel like this is just like an overall statement of art that like you always run into problems when you are, I think Kate, when you're having too much of a conversation with expectations, um, I think there are some acts that have like walked that line really delicately. So like Radiohead's Kid A is absolutely a middle finger to those expectations but it's yeah i mean it's the same it's their fourth album and it's but it was also like did. it's going right. electronic but it was like, like i'm gonna do what i want to do yeah and and i'm I, gonna yeah i'm not gonna make okay computer number two i'm not gonna make right. melancholy number two yeah i'm and, gonna and, play with some computers right and so <laughs> i and and to that i feel like seer the most recent album uh, is feels the most authentic of the ones there, because like there is, there are people listed as playing guitar. <laughs> James and Jimmy are both on this album still, but like okay. it's very much like a pop record. Like it is yeah. a synth pop record with like damn catchy songs. Yeah, I, I again prepping for this episode when we decided I was like, okay, cool, I'm gonna binge all this, and then I was having a blast. I was having yeah. an absolute blast listening to the earlier stuff. And by the time I got to Machina, I was like, oh, like, I'm getting tired. Yeah. And I just, I didn't want, I didn't have time. I mean, I could have forced it. Like, right. I could have not enjoyed my evening last night and just listened to Oceana <laughs> front to back. But I was like. You don't want to do that. Yeah, like, I don't want to do it. And, like, is there anyone out there? Again, like, you know, back to the 120-something million streams of cherub rock from uh let's see like what's like oceana here like what are we working with like oh okay so this is better numbers than i thought this is around two million most tracks are on two million for oceana and like uh oh shiny oh so bright what are we working with here all right, mostly for, uh, one million with a few spikes with the singles. Sure, so it's okay. like clear that they ended up on some playlists and stuff. Yeah. But it's just, it's just, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a. It's not the same. It's absolutely not the same. And I feel like Billy is still a good songwriter. The songs are still pretty good. Like the riffs, uh, the riffs are good throughout. Like it's when they have them, when they have riffs. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but yeah, it just is lacking that fire that made them fresh in the first place and i think it's just again one of those things where it's like they are trying to acquiesce to those expectations and like the fans that do want siamese dream part two but then they also want to do whatever they want to do so like it's this weird middle ground where like he feels caught in the middle and it's i think suffers for it but i kept thinking those first four records perfect um I, well, I like that. I like that. Um, yeah, I would say listen to the first. Listen, I would argue listen to, listen to the first four and a half. Right? Sure. I'm going to spend more time when with Machina. To, I'm definitely going to spend more time Mercury, with Machina. Uh, Dying Tree or whatever that rec- uh, song is, you can probably maybe 
turn the record off. But um, I liked that song when I heard it. <laughs> I, I'm going to spend more time with it. Uh, again, I listened to it the first time today. So I kept thinking of the Simpsons golden era as I listened <laughs> to this. Because I like The Simpsons, and yeah. I like The Simpsons, um, the first seasons are, like, the I'm talking season Gold one. Gold standard. Yeah. Season one is pretty bad. Season yeah. one is pretty bad. Season two is rough. Season right. three is what is known as the start of the golden era, mm-hmm. gold era, and I think it runs through eight or nine or something like that. Yeah. And I was asking my friend Evan, um, who's a huge Simpsons fan, I brought him up on the show a couple times, and he had one of the... He had one of the earliest websites on it when we were kids. He had oh. a website called the the Simpsonian Institute. Ah, I know um, that one. Really? I've I've heard of it. Yeah. He. Well, I've he somehow ended it. up there. Wow. He made it again before all of this on Angel Fire. The, yeah, it was. I think it was pretty <laughs> sure it's on Angel Fire. Or uh, or it's uh, on the like you can find it now on the Wayback Machine and all yeah, that. Yeah. What but, was the other? Angel Fire or GeoCities? And GeoCities, yeah. But yeah. I was asking him about one time because I, I was getting frustrated. I was like, dude, some of these new episodes are good, man. Like, you're kind of being... Yeah. You're dismissing right. short seasons. And you ain't even... Let's be real. You haven't watched New Simpsons in a decade. And his response to me was, well, yeah, but I don't need to because it was lightning and a... That was a certain era that can't be recreated. Yeah. Like, so even if yeah. the new ones are good... Yeah. Even if the new ones are hitting home runs and they're great, they're never going to be Conan O'Brien on the staff and right. and this certain cocktail that mm-hmm. you had. And and I really do like the term cocktail, cocktail to describe this sort of thing because it's like when I think of Jimmy James, Billy, and Darcy – it was a cocktail that worked, and as soon yeah. as that cocktail got broken up in right. any way, yeah. it stopped working. Yep. Uh, it, it didn't entirely stop working, but right. it started being mediocre, which is unacceptable when you're the smash. Right, exactly. <laughs> when, right. When you release an album like Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, you don't have an excuse for Zeitgeist. But then, who... <laughs> honestly, I keep thinking of the other Chicago native so intertwined in my mind with the pumpkins is Kanye Kanye did records one through three and each one he tweaked he changed but records one through three are kind of a trilogy of just college incredible yeah the yeah the The, college uh, trilogy and mm -hmm. then he has his fourth record just like we do I love it just like just like pumpkins I love it oh I can't win so I'm not going to play the game. So what does right. he do? He creates a, a kind of a electronic R&B yep. thing. It's record. beautiful. And I really like it. And he has My Beautiful Dark Twist of Fantasy. And then from there, depending on who you talk to, it starts to, <laughs> to varying degrees, go south. If you talk yeah. to me, I would say Jesus has three bangers on it and the rest of it is rough. Uh, if you talk to some other people, they might go, "Oh, I hung on to Life of Pablo," or some yeah. people go, "Oh, Jesus is King is, is 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 a great record," you know. But everyone would, I don't care who you talk to, everyone's going to agree with the, just like the Pumpkins, that the Kanye had this this white hot yeah moment for sure. And 
you know, it's like like there's a Jordan quote that I'll find and put, but he talks about greatness and, and, and playing at that that him playing at that level yeah. and him confessing, being like, "There's no way I could do that for 20 years. No, yeah, yeah. like this is a moment. Yeah, this is a moment sure. where my body's this way and my mind is this way and this everything and the stars have aligned. Yeah, and." Again, when I say I wish the Pumpkins would have just changed their name when they did the Waiter Records, it's just more for the legacy. I just wish I would have been yeah, fine if I it get that Billy Corgan and the new new friends. Or <laughs> there you go, Billy Corgan cool, and the this new is friends. New thing, yeah. You know? Yep. This is the Yardbirds or whatever. You know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. All right. So that's a that's a whole lot of talk about the Pumpkins. I'm so sorry. Which they well, you can cut deserve all of it. me out. They you deserve can cut it. all of me out. Not going to do that. They deserve it. But uh, yeah, so weekly Rex. Oh, I'm so tired. Um, <laughs> oh, the pumpkins have exhausted me. L- uh, so weekly Rex. So today, uh, listen to Smashing of, Pumpkins. One of the freeing <laughs> things about the weekly recommendations that I keep because I keep thinking, oh, I gotta have something new, and I'm like, no, I can recommend whatever the, whatever the right. hell I want. I was like, oh, like I'm gonna recommend my favorite two chains record. Uh, pretty good, pretty girl like trap music um, is one of my go tos. So I'm a big two chains fan. Two chains. His first and second albums are okay. Sure, they have single rap records in general tend to lend themselves to singles, and two chains is uh, uh, no different. Um, <laughs> I love two chains. Attitude, his entire his entire being, his entire Two style. Chimes. Like you can't, you can't, you can't help but smile. Uh, and so he took a big break between his second album and this third one. And when the lead up to the third one, there was like the Twitter verse was going nuts, talking about like he has been in the studio, he's putting it at work. Like this is gonna be the this is gonna be his, you know, yeah, big 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 record. Was it? as good it was it some you know yankee hotel fox shot rap absolutely not <laughs> but uh but it was okay I, this it is his okay. best record this okay. is his best record and i'm a massive two chains fan and this record front to back i know very well and it makes me laugh and two chains is the king of non sequiturs like so there's some <laughs> there's some artists who jay-z often will tell a story kanye's telling a story Especially Eminem. Eminem is often like, yeah. hey, we're going to go on a freaking journey. Two Chains is like, here's eight bars that are completely unrelated and just <laughs> funny. And like, okay. I was listening to this record today and he just like, like the lyric, he says, I wore, it has nothing to do with any, it has nothing to do with the verse before <laughs> after, the line before after. He says, I wore some Gucci to your mama's house just to leave it there. <laughs> okay. Like it's right. just so braggadocious and stupid, and right. I love it. And there I think go. he knows it. Like he's not sitting there being like, "Yo, this is the next kid." Hey, he's like, "I'm having fun." I'm Mozart. Man. Yeah, I he's am like, Mozart. I'm having fun. You want to have fun with me? Yeah. If not, in, yeah. In, in, All right. In, 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 All right. Two chains. Anyways, so listen to two pretty chains. Pretty girls like trap music. <laughs> I mostly just know record. two chains from. I had one student when I was working in a school. Who would just go two chains <laughs> all the time, and then he'd go. I mean, I'm a big. I've listened to all his records a and lot. He'd all, he would like. It got to the point where he would like proceed it from like a, a any sentence like two chains. Can I go to the bathroom? <laughs> 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 two chains. What's the answer to number five? <laughs> this <laughs> but, sounds tedious. Yeah, it was. So that's that's 
the large uh, where, well, if you, where my if uh, opinion of two chains has been informed. I would just, you can just start at this record. It's sure. fine. All just right. pick All up right. at this record if you yeah. never listened. Um, but my pick today is a band called Gypsum. G-Y-P-S-U-M. I believe it's a mineral because whenever I... You, uh, you always got to show me up with the well, underground picks, man. <sighs> It's also One where I live. Gonna, That's where I live. One of these days you're just going to come through with like a Taylor Swift record. Do you want me to... I mean, I did buy Control by Janet Jackson last week. <laughs> so I can, I'm sorry. I caught you on Gypsum, which is totally... Gypsum, a which is a... It's a girl or group from... It's like a... It's an all-girl indie band from LA. Uh, I came upon them as I was... Uh, the site... I, it was like came upon in like the the list of submissions from the site I write for and the way it was being talked about, like I expected it to be like this thing with like tons of hype. Like they would be the next like beach house or something like that. Um, but then I went to check it out on Spotify and it was like 2000 listens. I'm like, are you serious with this? This <laughs> is, but they are, uh, did you ever listen to war paint? Yes, yes, yeah. I did. So the, the I sel- saw them uh, live, actually. The self-titled album, yeah. the second record. It's a good record. It's an incredible record, and it's one of the few records, like, it's, every once what in a while, I'll find them? a record. They, I just got an email from them via Bands in Town today. They're coming out with a new record in May. All right, um, good. But so I, uh, that second record they did, it's one of those records that, like, I just latched onto it and like for years I'm like what this has something that I can't get anywhere else. Yeah. Gypsum has that. Okay. It's it feels very much like the self-titled War Painted record. Uh it's a little jazzier. It's got like a lot of polyrhythms in the drums and the bass grooves are just nuts and bouncy. Uh and then like guitars are just wibbling around in ambience and the vocals are all I think all of them sing because uh, there appears to be like three part harmonies everywhere it is real good it's real solid and they should have more than 2000 plays on Spotify alright so. so that again all the we talked about a bajillion things uh, in in uh, just an aside, there is a character limit to how long the show notes can be and I, co- I cross it constantly and so uh, the show notes will have everything we just talked about. Obviously, our recommendations. But uh, if you see something missing from the show notes, it's likely not because I forgot about it, but because yeah, I ran out of space. <laughs> Blame our podcast host. <laughs> Blame anchor.fm. Tweet tweet oh at anchor.fm and yell at them for limiting our show notes. Yeah. I went upstairs at our, uh, our little halftime to... Uh, get water and get a drink, go to the bathroom, and Lauren's like, "Oh, you guys are done." And I'm like, "No, we're like, we're oh yeah, like halfway through the." Michelle pumpkins. said the same thing. She's like, "Oh, you guys are done? Nope, but it's been so long." Well, we've been trying to keep it under two hours. I have so much. Didn't more do it today. Uh, Smashing pumpkins are still great. I shouldn't have ranted so long about I Eric Clapton. I self-edited so much. <laughs> uh, all right. But yeah. I love you all. I love you, Nat. <laughs> love you too, Jesse. Love and we love the Smashing you. Pumpkins, mostly. Mm-hmm. Okay, bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Deep Food Radio. This podcast is hosted and produced by Jesse Atkinson and Nat Fitzgerald 
who apologize for their rambling, but they also won't adjust their behavior, so their apology should be taken with a grain of salt. If, for whatever reason, you want more, you can follow at D2RadioPod on all socials and visit D2RadioPod.com. Someone, please, sponsor us.